Hello, welcome to the Nameless Podcast. I'm uh, I'm Jorge. I'm Viv. And this week, our guest is Lynn. That's her uh, radio DJ name. Hello, how are you guys doing? Uh, you're not gonna get a response. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe some of our listeners who are listening right now might answer all out there, but like, oh, thanks. No one has asked me that today. Yeah, yeah. But you gotta care about your your viewers. You know, sure. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, exactly. Sorry. exactly. Uh, this week, our podcast, we'll talk about independence or um, the f- stages of it. But first, we'll just uh, catch up with Lynn and how life's been. Uh, happy to be here. I haven't seen these guys in like so long. Like, a couple months. Like months, so... I don't know how long yeah. <laughs> So uh, just background for everyone, Lynn uh, used to play volleyball with us and then uh, she moved over to Vancouver, BC, starting a fresh new life there. Yeah, so I moved from Edmonton to Vancouver in 2019, just like the beginning of the summer. Um, basically, like graduate university, and I found a job in Vancouver, which is like my dream city. Like I've always wanted to live there, uh, ever since I like vacation there. So nice. It's kind of like. So what? Uh, what spurred the? I want to move. Is it just like I'm gonna yolo it? I graduated. I don't have anything really here stopping me from moving. So let's just go. Or yeah. So it was like a combination of like I'm bored in Edmonton. Like obviously you guys know like there's nothing to do here. Come on, guys. We love Edmonton. You know, like. (laughs) Um and like I used to vacation in Vancouver like every year like for a week and then I just so fun. There's a beach. There's so much better food here and everything. So. Definitely the drive is there to move, and I just kind of want to move away from home, too. Um, and once you're out of university, you know, I was looking for jobs, and I actually got a job with the government um, right after university, so I got lucky there, for sure, and that allowed me to move uh, better, although my parents were like, don't take it. Like, don't move. Like, it's so expensive there, and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, you know, Asian parents are... Yeah, they, they want to shelter you a bit, right? From from the challenges yeah, of life and, sometimes. Yeah, I, I wanna I kinda wanna get into like the myths of living in Vancouver too because everybody has said to me, like, do you have enough like do you have enough money to eat? Like do you have like how do you pay rent? Like blah blah blah. But I'm like, it's actually not that hard. Like for the first year and a half that I was living in Vancouver, I didn't make like that much money. I think I made like like forty, fifty thousand a year, if not less. And I was still paying rent, and I was still eating out, and I was still, like, on vacation and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's livable, right? I wasn't saving, like, a lot, a lot, which I don't need to save a lot, right? Right. So you're pretty much between living here in Edmonton with your parents and living in Vancouver with your new job, your quality of life didn't really change. Like, you did the same kind of things you would have done here. You you, you did it Oh, my quality of life is, is better. I oh, think. okay. So yeah, because, because there's so much more opportunity and so much more things to do there in Vancouver. Um, just even, like... For example, you can play beach volleyball all year round. Right. Right. You can play. Really? Even even right now. Right now, cold? yeah. I have friends. I personally don't because no I don't snow over there right now. Right. Not. It only snows like a week in a year. Oh, like the, does does the snow stick or it doesn't really? It kind of does, and then it'll melt within like a week or something like uh, that. Oh, so it's you have like that cold. So of the fifty two weeks, you maybe have like a two week period where you where it's like slushy s- and it's like snowy and it's like slushy. Uh, but okay. I have friends who they will play on the beach as long as it's not raining because they'll they'll have like wetsuits or whatever like sand socks so they don't get cold but you can still you can still it's very feasible to play on the beach still even when it's cold really um i personally prefer to be warm like i would just right now i'm playing indoor with my friends yeah and then beach is for like for the summertime i mean it's nice out okay what out. um what do you find different when you play beach volleyball and normal like i've, I've only played very recreationally mm-hmm. beach wise like not too into it 
but I assume you play a bit more. Beach. Yeah, so beach, obviously there's only two people for on your team. There's a lot more communication and there's a lot more playing together. So when you're, for example, setting on the court, you're gonna set it to power or set it to middle. But in beach, there's no like set position. Like you wouldn't set it to power because yeah. I might not be there. You're always playing together, close to each other. Um, and you can you kind of set you kind of play with each other you talk while you're playing so you never like you wouldn't do like a traditional indoor like set or even hit sometimes because there's no there's only two of you yeah, yeah right it's if if i'm receiving you're going to be the one setting so you wouldn't be setting to like the power position because i'm not gonna be i'm right beside you mm-hmm. so, you know is it is it harder to move around was that it, significant it is. It's, harder it is. To jump, it's harder it? to jump and it's harder to run i find so uh, i find that after playing beach for a while i'm actually faster on the court you learn to humble brag (laughs) you learn to kind of read the plays and then also you kind of have to hustle on the beach right because you know you're running and it's right you're slower on the beach because of sand right when you're wearing court shoes and stuff like that yeah okay let's 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 do a quick spontaneous rundown of comparison so Rent-wise, you say it's about the same as if I was to live here than Vancouver? So rent-wise, it depends on kind of what you want. So most people, when they think of living in Vancouver, they think of living in like apartment downtown with parking and stuff like that. Yeah. But obviously you're not going to do that because that's like $2,000 a month. In your price range, you can find a nice basement suite for like less than a thousand. Okay, so... So let's just say compare downtown to downtown. Vancouver is gonna be more expensive. Yes. That's that's for. I fact. think overall Vancouver is more expensive than Edmonton, regardless of where you pick. But there's places that you can live which is feasible and it's livable. Like it's not like a shit shit box that you're right. living in. So, if I were to go somewhere in the suburb, get a basement suite or like a condo apartment in yeah. the suburbs, you think it's comparable? How much more do you think Vancouver would be? Mm. On the cheap scale, probably like a few hundred more, probably. So, okay. when I was living in a basement suite, it was about two thousand a month for three people. Oh, that's like, not bad. So you guys split the. We split grand. three bedrooms and one bathroom. Oh, so it's like seven hundred personal. Yeah, ish. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here is probably the same. I want to say I don't. I've never uh, looked at rentals here. It might be only slightly cheaper. To be but honest. condos, for example, for example, I moved to a new apartment recently, um, and our rent is twenty six hundred for two bedroom, two bath, and a den, and a pretty decent sized kitchen and living space. Okay. So it's twenty six hundred. So we pay thirteen hundred each. In Edmonton, that same apartment is probably less. You're probably only paying like a yeah, okay. thousand each or something yeah. like that. Um. Do you do you like living with roommates? I do. I personally do, um, because in Vancouver, I feel like. You have to. You have to just because uh, I can't afford yeah, a can't. place by myself. But you, there are places that are affordable for one person. Like again, usually it's like basement suites or like kind of cheaper condos for, um, like my friends for example. They live in apartments by themselves. It's a little bit small, but yeah. it's around fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred okay, a month. Okay. So you just have to pay a bit of a premium. You have to pay a little bit more mm. to live by yourself. It is feasible. Like there's, it's never, it's not always more than two thousand. So a you're month, you're kind of okay with that. I I can't. It's different though because my roommate is my friend from high school. Like we're friends. Yeah, I don't know. That's I don't. Crazy. I don't know if I can do that. But too. we're also it's, it's it's compatible because we're we're never home at the same time. Our oh, schedules that's are opposite, yeah. Yeah. and we're friends. So when we're home, we, we hang out. Like, yeah, we don't okay. share anything except the kitchen, and it's always clean. Oh, the bathroom okay. we have our own bathroom, and we have our own rooms. Oh, that's fair. Essentially, you you just have your own space, your room, and your washroom, and then your common space that yes, you share. Yes. I just, I can't have people touching my shit. I don't know why. I'm See, so even, sensitive yeah. about that. But I if mean, you, she shares her own, she has her own washroom. Yeah. But even then, in our old place, 
I, I would never touch your stuff if it's not mine. Like, I'm not going to touch your shit. I get it, but that's you. And there's a lot of other people out there. Okay, then you, yeah. you have to define that when yeah. you move in together. Like, like, don't find a random. Just find a true, friend to live true. with. True, true. Like, I, I can easily live with my significant other. I can yeah. easily live with my family because yeah. I have done it. But I just feel so weird living with someone else. Like, I, I've done yeah. it before, and I just, like... I kept all my stuff in my own room and stuff. I just like I just don't want anyone to touch my shit. For example, like, could you live with Randy, or anyone from our in you know? Sh- in short term, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. In long term, absolutely not. Because just I don't know. Like uh, I like having my own mm. space. I like having my own thing. Like I'm very particular. Mm-hmm. Like my kitchen, I like it a certain mm-hmm. way. My washroom, I like it a certain way. I can't yeah. share some of that fair, stuff. Fair. Right? So yeah. So if you, for example, moved to Vancouver, you wanted a one bedroom apartment. And we're trying just renting, right? Well, so, I'm sure if I moved, I'd have to get Joyce to come with me or something like that. Yeah. So then, let's say... So it'd be like two people for a one-bedroom yeah, apartment. So let's say... Oh, I would suggest getting two bedrooms if you were living with Joyce. Oh, really? really? I would suggest because I've heard a lot of couples who... Because, like, think about it. You have one bedroom, one bathroom. I ain't gonna be home a lot. I'm not home a lot now. I'm always out working out, doing other stuff, so... It's not too bad. It's different if you live together, though. True. Because you're home together, yeah. you you only have one room. True. You know, and then don't you need an office and stuff too? Don't you guys both have? That's future. Al- that's future Jorge problem. This is a uh, present Jorge, so let's deal with that later. So for for example, <laughs> if it's you, let's, let's say it's just you yeah. in Vancouver, yeah. living in a one bedroom, yeah. one bathroom apartment. Yeah. It depending on the area. If you're living like closer to downtown, yeah. it's more expensive. If yeah. you're living in like if you don't care about this, if you're not taking the Sky Train or anything, yeah. you want to use driving. Yeah. If you live in like kind of. Like suburbs, um, suburby Vancouver, or like even Burnaby. Burnaby's really cheap actually to live oh, in a okay. condo. Yeah, because a lot of new condos are like less than two thousand a month. Have you compared salaries, like between living in Alberta and living in BC? It's different for me because I work for the government. It's uh, okay. flat okay. everywhere you go. But have you looked into other other, other things? Jobs? Like like say a typical restaurant worker in Alberta compared to a typical restaurant worker in Vancouver. Or? So when I work, I did work in a sushi place for a bit in Vancouver, and I okay. made. Seventeen fifty an hour, plus tips. Um, here, when I worked as a bartender, I made. I think it was just minimum actually. Just a fifteen what's, what's or sixteen. Right it's fifteen. Fifteen. I think. Uh, I think I made minimum, if not a little bit more than minimum, uh, and I so, made tips. So they do kind of offset it for you a little bit, right? I Considering it's quote unquote the same. higher rent there. Okay, how about how about food wise? So say food grocery wise, not not uh, restaurant. Groceries, I think it's the same. I've never noticed. I'm not, I don't okay. spend more money. It's it's different okay. because. What's a banana like? Seventy cents banana? per pound is here. I think is standard. Seventy seven yeah, cents. Seventy seven. Yeah. I don't buy bananas, but like apples, for example, I would pay like a dollar fifty for three, two or three. Oh, okay. That's I think, cheap. I think I think that's reasonable. I have no idea. I don't it depends also because BC is where the or. Oh, the orchards. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so they ha- they grow their own, a lot of their own fruits. Yeah. Probably fruits, grow from we there. Have our own, um... uh, okay, then, so let's go to the restaurant-wise. Do you think it's cheaper or... Okay, so first, there's probably a lot more variety there, right? A lot more variety. Yeah, okay. It depends on the cuisine. Sushi is obviously cheaper in Vancouver. I remember the last time I was here, I went to Izakaya Tomo, my favorite restaurant in Edmonton. Ooh, name dropping them. Yeah, that's good. And... <laughs> oh, so should I say names? No, no, I don't care. And um, the chop scallop, chop chop roll. Oh, that's chop chop. Twelve dollars here. Okay. For Van- how many? Like for six eight rolls? Pieces. Oh, eight pieces. Eight, like okay. a regular inside out roll. Okay, sure, yeah. In Vancouver, that thing's four dollars fifty cents. And that's standard. That's, that's like that's, huge... that's and that's. Ch- uh, average. Average. Okay, so there could be cheaper. Okay. There could be more. Okay. I mean, okay. Vancouver sushi is always really cheap. Exactly, because the ocean's so, there. Yeah, so, yeah. do you think Asian food in general is cheaper Asian in Vancouver? Asian food in general, I think it is cheaper. There. Okay, and then how? So, 
other cuisines, it's probably um, comparable. Like a, like a pizza there is about the same price. It's probably pizza the here? same, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I think okay, fish for sure is cheaper. Steak actually is expensive in Korea. Oh, yeah. Of well, course. We, we got a bird beef. That's the one thing we're yeah. proud of, right? But it also yeah. depends on where you're eating. For example, if you're eating at like a mom and pop sushi restaurant yeah. or if you're eating a Miku. Obviously, you're paying more at Miku. Because yeah. that's like the name. Right, right, right. But I, I, I guess too, right? I guess we're just comparing averages, yeah, averages right now. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so food's cheaper, rent's slightly more expensive. Mm-hmm. It seems like uh, careers there may may pay a bit more. It depends on the profession. I know friends who are accountants make more in Alberta. Uh, okay. Nurses make more in Alberta. But, Teachers uh, make more in BC. Do you know, do they tax you more there? Like, there's the HST. So, yeah. so that's, that's I guess, a drawback. They do have more consumer tax for yes. everyone. But uh, how about income? Like, is it about I'm actually not sure. I've never compared uh, my salary. Actually, we can just we can probably, probably, we can probably look it up right now. It's, again, it's different for me because I work for the government. I get... I get taxed heavily, more heavy, and I have a pension and stuff. I have to um, submit to and things like that. What's some What's some other things you want to compare? Because like you, you, you said that you know, bank or living in Vancouver yeah. sometimes you get a bad rep. What else is there that you want to? Definitely quality of life. For example, if you're in Edmonton, you want to go snowboarding. You only have like two options. There, there's so many options you can go. In let's and let's say it's pre-COVID. Let's say COVID doesn't exist. You can go snowboarding. You can go to Whistler in the morning or Cypress in the morning to go snowboarding. Then you can go to the beach, play beach volleyball in the afternoon. Or like you can drive to the States. You can drive to Victoria. You can drive to Vancouver Island. You can. There's so many more opportunities to like do things versus here. Like where are you going to go? Where are you going to go camping? Where are you going to go travel? Like do a little staycation. Banff is amazing. Okay, you have Banff and Jasper. Where else? That's it. That's it. <laughs> I just listed like five things. So in Vancouver, you can go, yeah, Whistler, Squamish, yeah, the States. Wait, uh, we how can go far? to Cold Lake. Dude. <laughs> so okay, if I if I want to go on a mountain ski trip right now, it would take me at least four hours to get there. Yes. How about Vancouver? To Whistler from Van- from my place in Whist- in Vancouver, uh, three hours. Okay, so it's a little bit closer, but Whistler's probably expensive, right? It's probably like same the height. Oh same. really? They own by the same black home. Pretty oh. sure. Interesting. Pretty sure. Is it because I always thought because like the Olympic um, kind of village was nearby, it might be more expensive because they have more mm-hmm. um, am- um, more amenities and more things. If you book to it do. ahead of time, there's some deals you can get like a uh, okay. like hundred bucks for a lift okay. ticket or something. So okay, what I'm hearing now is that other than the stuff I already listed, there's just a lot more to do, more to do, a lot more variety, right? Because and again, it's a bigger it's city too. Bigger city, and it's is not cold half the year okay this is gonna sound like a weird question um here i i've only grown up here so it was pretty good but when i worked in fort mcmurray uh, i felt like it was a little lonely it was hard to make friends what was that like in in vancouver um i'm definitely an outlier i got super lucky with my friends because i worked my first job with the government here um, was at a huge company yeah a huge agency with a lot of people who are the same age as me we always work together so it's kind of like I got dropped in the middle of like it's kind of like being in school. Mm. There's so many people that you're interacting with, so it's I've I've definitely lucked out there. Um, and then when I met my like non-work friends, we play volleyball. The volleyball friends, right? Oh, yeah. So I yeah. went drop in at um, this gym called Harry Jerome. It's like a, a gym on like the side of a mountain beside the Ooh, university. Shit, that sounds pretty and it's really cool because it's a velodrome and also a volleyball court. Oh. So on the it's like an oval shape, right? So on the outside is like a it's a bike track. Right. It's crazy. So there's people biking on the outside right. and inside the track it's like separated by netting and there's people oh. we're, we're playing volleyball inside it's like it's uh super cool. it's like kinsman here but cooler because there's a velodrome on the outside instead of yeah. just a like running track okay. yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, it's like that. Cool. so i went one day to drop in because i was like this is pretty cool and i was searching on my phone like oh like where can i put indoor volleyball 
And that gym was like the first one that popped up, and it's kind of like it's really far because like do you know where Simon Fraser University is? Absolutely not. It's like mm-hmm. the tip. So like if you think of Vancouver, and then Burnaby's here. It's like the tip of Burnaby. Oh, like a mountain on Burnaby. Okay, so so Super for everyone, far. I guess you guys can just Google this, but it's like the far east side. Very yeah. most mo- one of the most east parts of, of Burnaby. Oh, okay. It's on top of a mountain. So you have to drive up, you know. Oh, okay. A mountain, and so when I went there, I like there was like a bunch of like people playing volleyball. And I was just like, hey, like, can I can I play with you guys? And then at first they were kind of like, oh, like, like no one's ever probably asked them. It's like, yeah. oh, she's probably trash or something like that. Yeah, right? and I was, they're like, yeah, sure, like, you can play with us. Um, and then Humble Bragg was like, oh my god, you're so good. <laughs> you, can keep, you can keep playing with us if you want. And I'm um, like, oh, wow, thanks. Um, and those guys are like one of my, my best friends now in Vancouver. Like, we're so close. We hang out. I see we've week. been replaced. We- <laughs> yeah, very easily. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Do you have tattoos of all of them, too? Yeah. Oh, Wobbles. I knew it. Uh, what was I going to say after this? I, I, I had a thought going into this. Okay, so that was a really good rec center. How about rec centers in general? Like, you know how we have the standard rec center, yeah. city of Edmonton type of thing? What's it like in Vancouver? Like, if I'm actually debating of going, yeah. what, do I expect to pay a lot to, like, attend these rec centers? So, volleyball drop-in at a community center, um, it's, like, $5 for, like, oh, two hours. Oh, that's cheap. But how about, like, working out? Like, like rec- recreation um, or gym or stuff? I wouldn't know. I, I don't pay for that uh, stuff. Okay, okay, but I there's see. other things that I do. Every single time I go to Vancouver, which I go very often, I go to the gym, and I usually get, like, a week or so of membership every single time, and I find that all the gyms are the same. Like, price-wise compared to here? Price-wise and everything. And then equipment-wise, uh, both the same? drop-in prices or like shorter passes are significantly cheaper like here if you go to good life i believe it's like like 20 30 dollars for a drop-in but over there it's like 10 or less really oh i might and then you can always get like a week or two week passes or a month pass for significantly cheaper than here the only thing i've noticed that's different is the richmond olympic oval which is like the olympic gym in vancouver yeah that shit's like 20 bucks for drop-in even for volleyball it's like to rent a volleyball court there it's like 250 Oh, but it's probably hour. premier. It is premier. It's Olympic level, but it's so expensive for absolutely no reason. Oh, but the drop-in gym is also like twenty bucks. Mm. But we pay like for two hours, is one hundred and fifty, I think. Which is also weird. I hate that it's two hours. It's such a weird time. It's not enough. Oh, and then and you then, don't want to book four hours because that's too much. I yeah. see. Uh, the other thing I want to ask is traffic. Oh, it's fucking hor- horrible. Traffic's a piece of shit. Holy there, right? shit! It's the fucking worst. There's people just going ten under the speed limit, or they're they don't shoulder track or something like that. Like okay, is that is that centralized just to like Vancouver itself, or even at Burnaby, even in these Surrey or Richmond, it's still the same shit. Um, depends on the time. They say rush hours between four to six. It's not. It's like noon to six is rush hour. Oh my god. Noon. So, so to after six, I should you not. Fun? I should you not even like close to seven all day. There's traffic. Oh, sometimes I'm sounds driving. Like LA. Sometimes I'm driving to the mall at like ten a.m. Yeah. And or this is a good example. I went to Costco the other day with Carmen. It's like a Wednesday at nine o'clock. We thought we were smart. We were going. Oh yeah, we'll go there when it opens. And there was so much traffic. There were so many people at Costco. We went to the parking lot. It was full. And there's people like done shopping at like nine fifteen, nine thirty. I'm uh, like, how are these people yeah. done shopping at nine? Like it makes no sense. You guys yeah. made the mistake as and the seniors. Like, They're all there yeah. right at freaking nine. And it's like, how do you not have a job? You don't have to go to work. They're on seniors. The no, there's some young people there. Uh, I don't I mean, understand. People can work from home nowadays. You can leave the house yeah. and do yeah. whatever. You think you're smart? They fucking went up to you. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh shit. Okay, so traffic's shit. Um, food wise, better there. Cost of living is comparable. I, I guess for most places, wherever you live, if it's expensive to live, you probably get paid the premium to live that there, right? That is true. It just depends on what makes you happy. 
your quality of life because everyone's quality of life true, is different right true. my quality of life living in edmonton is just boring to me but some right. someone else who might be happy with getting have, buying a house for like four hundred thousand or like an acreage or something probably yeah in they want to they yeah. want to live in it you know yeah. be a homeowner and they want they don't go out at night they don't eat asian food like they don't care about that stuff That's then, true. then they would be happy here Cheap oh gas one thing too fucking gas so expensive. What's, in what, BC. what is it before you left? Right now is a one sixty. Oh Jesus oh, Christ! And you it's guys like think one thirty five expensive? Yeah. Was insane. yeah. So for comparison, people in Alberta right now it's probably in the like the one thirties or one twenties. One thirties. My Honda Civic is I think it's a forty liter tank. In oh, Edmonton, shit. one tanks are f- I remember paying like 40, 50 bucks. Now I'm paying like 60, 70 bucks for a tank. Holy cow. And I'm driving far. I work in Surrey, dude. I work so far. It's Wait, like, where it's do like you live? In Vancouver. Central yeah, Vancouver. Oh, you're going all the way to Surrey? So imagine if you lived like 20, here and you're driving to the airport every day. Every day. Back so for comparison, because these fucks like to make reference that not everyone knows. Uh, <laughs> that's like a 30 kilometer ride from here to our airport. So you're saying yeah. about... Oh, okay, that sucks. But this is the other thing about Vancouver that drives me crazy is... The distance from my work to my house is not that far. It's like 24 kilometers. But it takes so long. You're not convincing us. so many You're cars. You're not convincing me to move I know. right now. That's not a good... They uh, have a beach. They have so many beaches. They have a you beach. can go to the beach any time of the you year. You can have dim sum all day. I can have a sandbox. You can have, next to it. You can have sushi. 12 pieces for $10. Oh, shit. Uh, sounds like, it sounds like you still work at the sushi place. I don't. But I eat sushi quite frequently. Wait, okay. So I also heard there's some rule about uh, you must have winter tires at certain parts of yes. BC. Yes. Where, where is this? All the highways. All highways? Yes. And they do checks. They check it. Oh my god. Like, check even it? if you're in the city. Yes. Highways. Uh, not in the, in the... But like, when you keep going. Oh, so closer to the mountains. Yes. Okay. Uh, even if you're driving like Kelowna or something. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, that's, that's, that's in like the Okanagan Valley. That's pretty close to the mountains at that. Well, I was just wondering like, if I rented a car in Vancouver, it probably won't come with winter tires. Mm. But I assume they will only let me drive around that area, right? You can always just say it's a rental. I'm sure it's fine. Uh, but if you're driving to Worcester or something, you but yeah, but then I guess you get you get shafted if you have like a beater that you don't want to buy winter tires for. But I guess there's a safety. And also, it's not it. safe either because usually what happens is it snows, it gets slushy, and then it's, it gets cold again, so it freezes. Okay. The black ice or whatever. So uh, my girlfriend's cons- concerned about the floods and stuff. What's mm-hmm. what's going on there? Can you explain to everyone? What so happened? a lot of so there was a few crazy storms in the last few weeks. Yeah. And the Fraser River, so it's kind of like the North Saskatchewan River, yeah. it like overflowed, and it, a lot of the towns are like right beside it, um, and it flooded like all of these towns and like all the highways. If you can search, if you literally search up right now, BC flood 2021, it'll show up with all these highway fucking pictures. Is is insane. Does this affect uh, actually like Vancouver itself? Vancouver itself, no, because we're actually on higher ground. If you look at the geography. There's a lot of places underneath Vancouver, like southeast of Vancouver, Abbotsford, for example, uh, Merritt. So Abbotsford, right there, underwater. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Really? So just everyone, I, I just I just googled Fraser River, just just looking at a map of where everything is. So Abbotsford, right now, underwater. is underwater. Hi- so, so okay. You see the highway there, Highway One. Yeah. Underwater. Just in, within a- Abbotsford. No, or? So I think there's chunks of it. If you zoom in, I'll probably show you where the highway is broken. Is that no, where the red icons are? I don't, think, icons. I don't think Google's that intense, is it? Okay, so if I, I stayed, if the furthest east I went was Surrey, That's am fine. I fine? You're fine. Oh, it's okay. just okay. the closer you get to Chilliwack. Langley, some places are, are but if, the, if you keep going east, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so Chilliwack, Abbotsford, is underwater. Oh, okay, yep. I see. Yeah. I see. And then, um, so if I went to Vancouver right now. You're fine. 
Oh, so, okay, you've been there for two years now? Two and a half, I think. This now. is, like, the first time you've kind of heard, like, this is an anomaly? I've it? never heard of a highway getting, a hi- the highway is underwater. Like, there's pictures of, you know, like, you know when you, what are those called, overpasses? Uh-huh. It's, like, the water's that high where you can't even see the overpass anymore. Holy shit. Like, here, I'll show you. If, I'll show you. Uh. Just for conversation sake yeah that's fine okay so the other thing i was wondering about is a, a lot of people bitch about the amount of sunlight you guys get there so so here in edmonton i think we're one of the sunniest most northern cities main cities yeah. or sunny yeah is it is it just doom and gloom there all day no no okay people say i don't know why people have that conception also that vancouver is just gloomy all year it's not in the summer it's super hot we go to the beach we play volleyball we get i get fucking sunburned all the time but uh, there are like there is more rain there. There There's is not as much sun because like we it's get like the minus. There's a lot more clouds in, in the summertime. Spring and summer is really sunny. It, when you transition to like autumn and like winter times, it's more dark and it's more rain instead of snow. But to be honest, I prefer snow oh, or rain over snow. It's actually not that significant. Uh, so for everyone's, uh, I just googled uh, sunshine in Canadian cities. So in Edmonton, Alberta, we get pretty much sunshine fifty percent of the time. That's relatively reasonable. Uh, in Vancouver, let's see, Vancouver gets about 41%, so it's about 9% different, so what's, uh, 52 weeks, 9%, that is about four more weeks of cloud than we do in Edmonton, okay, that's, that's not bad, so you just get, say, about a month more, it rains a lot there, though, right? It rains a lot there. So, does that, is that shitty, like, you have to bring an umbrella everywhere, you have to wear, like, waterproof shit all the time, or? I personally don't mind it. Okay. Um, it does get annoying if you don't really have anything, but I, I, have, I have a good rain jacket. I don't have waterproof shoes. I want to get vesties for that reason. Everyone wears vesties. In no, dude, oh, we're not goodness. plugging vesties. They're not paying us right now, so <laughs> I don't think you can say that. Uh, okay, so vesties. Or like waterproof rain. shoes. Or like they have hiking shoes that are waterproof too. Yeah, yeah, people, yeah. People wear that all the time. Okay, so does your hair frizz up? I, I heard it's a girl thing. <laughs> like your hair frizzes up when I don't think so. it's wet or it's humid. It. I never noticed it. Oh, okay, so here's, here's the photo of that overpass. Oh, uh, so if everyone's wondering, if you just Google the the okay. Highway 1 in Vancouver and it's flooded and all, so that's what uh, Lynn's showing us right now. crazy. Okay, so the other thing I was going to ask is COVID. So you went summer of 2019 and then winter 2020, so January 2020 was, or I guess March 2020 was, everything got locked down. Yeah, so... How, how did that affect you guys? I... Or you specifically? Yeah, like, I, I lived in Vancouver for two and a half years, and I think 90% of the time, my time there is, like, COVID, which kind of oh, sucks. Oh, damn. That actually sucks. Like, I was only there for, like, six months before COVID, right. you know, started. Right. Um, the first few weeks was kind of weird, because we were all just stuck inside, and we couldn't do anything. But the beauty of Vancouver is, a lot of people were still, like, going on walks, they were still going out and doing stuff in parks, because we have so many parks and beaches and things like that. Yeah. So that was like nice, but for the most part, like restaurants are still closed. Um, a lot of things were still closed. I think it's probably this roughly the same as here, like where you couldn't go and do anything, right? Well, well, here I felt like we had a fake lockdown. You know, like, yeah, we pretty much broke all the rules. Like we had our little. Well, I mean, I mean, we didn't break any secret. Uh, no, no, COVID we, gathering. we not. <laughs> we're not incriminating ourselves right now. Club. Uh, we did not break any rules, but yeah, we we had a very lackluster of enforcement, and uh-huh. pretty much everyone just did whatever the fuck they wanted. Like aside going. from restaurants closing, everyone pretty much. Oh, still. and the gyms, the gyms was mm, impactful. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah. I know that we had our stuff open before you guys, 
because we were going to gyms. We were playing volleyball. I was playing volleyball before you guys were allowed to, I think, here. Um, and we were playing beach volleyball because we were, yeah. we were wearing masks outside. And uh-huh. we're outside, so it doesn't count. That's so dumb. You have to wear masks outside. That's so weird. <laughs> so before the vaccine came out, we were playing beach. And I they, not everyone would, but I would be wearing a mask playing uh-huh. beach volleyball. Even though you're outside, yeah. Um, until it got like really hot and sunny, that turned off. So, so, but the rules weren't much there. It was pretty, pretty relaxed there. Or because okay, so for example, when I went to Toronto in September, they still had rules where they limit the amount of people in, and like some of the gyms, they only let five people in at a time. And I'm like, this is dumb. Like literally, no one, no one, no one can go. Like this is the dumbest thing ever. But was it similar in Vancouver compared to Alberta? Like in Alberta, we we didn't really have rules to be honest. Okay, let's go to Alberta. It's like people don't come on guys let's not be a territorialist <laughs> or whatever i think a lot of people in vancouver are more following of the rules i want to say but there always is that population that like doesn't care and right but like you know, was it stricter there is kind of what i'm saying i don't know if it's stricter because i didn't even go out mm, That's okay, yeah, okay. so go. so covid didn't really impact you compared to if you were here yeah, yeah i could okay. still go out and do okay. stuff i could still except for like that first few months i like didn't go anywhere i was just like at home playing games and stuff like yeah, that yeah there were definitely some months here too when everyone just literally just yeah. stayed at home and there was a huge lull yeah but i think we definitely opened up faster and there's more stuff for us to do outside that doesn't involve being in a room together yeah if that makes sense i see so what are these other myths that you you're trying to bust the biggest one is just not having like not being feasible living here and living in Vancouver like a lot of my friends they're like so when I move you kind of find out who your real friends are because a lot of people will be like why why are you moving there you're gonna be poor you're not gonna have money you're gonna you know blah 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 and I'm like what okay sure and then now, like I said, you can make I can make forty k a year, and you can still live comfortably in Vancouver. You know, oh, car insurance is a good surprising. One. I feel because I feel like forty k would not be comfortable here. Well, I guess it's just ex- expectation of how you're living, right? I guess so. Yeah, right. like if if you're living at home, like myself, it's it's pretty nice making whatever whatever, right? Because it's true. It's not like I have a lot on the line, so that's true. So yeah, car insurance is the other thing. We have a privatized car insurance. Well, does that make it cheaper? More expensive. Oh. So ICBC is the agency that controls the car insurance. You have to register your car with them. Okay. Um, and okay, for example. Does that make wait? Re- that does that make registration more? Because like insurance, insurance is technically but, privatized here. Yeah. There's no rules, but a, registration is a, a registration. Oh, maybe is public. sorry. Maybe it's public. Because the government owns the agency that makes you okay. buy and travel. Oh. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's why it's more expensive. That so, for example, Vivian, for, we have, like, similar cars. Similar. Okay. Her yours is, is Sorry, yours, your car is probably, like, a year newer than mine. How much do you pay for insurance? A year. I pay... Um, a year? I'm not sure. I pay $311 a month. Jesus Christ. So yeah, mine's kind of insane. Wait, what's, what's yours really like? I, I pay yearly. Just give me a number. I'll divide by 12. I pay twenty seven hundred. Seven hundred. Why am I think cheaper than yours? Because she um, had some issues. Because I got into an accident oh. before, and also I drive a coupe. Oh, is, is your coupe four door? Oh. So when I first moved to Vancouver, it I paid like 
5000 They charged me 5000 <laughs> until I changed the deductibles. Yeah. She charged me for, like, the most expensive deductibles. Oh. Um, right? Because it's the first scammed. time. But then you can change it, and then they send me the difference. And then this year specifically, BC government changed the laws for ICBC. So it... Because they, they get paid less. So, like, they're charging us less. Oh, okay. So they, they like, tweak the things. Everyone complains that it's so expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, and I turned twenty five this year, so it's it'll be it's cheaper. So now it's twenty seven hundred. Last year was I paid like four thousand or something a year. Oh god. Okay, so you're saying pretty much Lynn's comments are Vancouver's sustainable for you guys to live in. Let's not have the fear or the myth that it's impossible to live. And honestly, there. it's I just I'm a, I'm a big advocate of not even just Vancouver. If you if you want to do something, you should just do it. Yo, I mean, you nice. should obviously plan make sure you have money enough you'll make enough to to whatever live mid pay rent yeah. you should do research first of course yeah. but don't let the myths deter you from from doing that so i had a friend also she moved from vancouver to toronto right. during covid right because that's her that, she, that was her dream she really wanted to live there she found a job there she gets paid the big bucks to do i don't know what she does pi i think private oh. investigator yeah, okay like that. that's pretty and she cool. was with the government too she was for the health during COVID, she worked for the health. Oh. Whatever fact. Trying to find people who aren't using their mask? Yeah, people who don't quarantine after a flight. Oh, oh, shit like that. Okay. Um, but that's like, yeah, that's like, she didn't have the fear. She wanted to do something. You do the research. And like, don't let being comfortable in a place stop you from going to where you want to go. That's true. And that true. applies to a lot of things. Even vacation. You know? Well, vacation. It's, buying a car, whatever. That's the one thing that stops you the most is yourself, right? if I can do it, you, you guys can do it. All right, let's 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 segue that into the the partial topic that we want to talk about was independence. So I think independence is a stage where there's two, one on either side of it. There's dep- dependence, right? You're usually dependent on something, someone, or a situation. You become independent as part of the growth. And I think the final stage would be interdependence because the final goal isn't to, you know, live on your own forever, right? You actually want to live within a community mm-hmm. or with someone. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the three stages with it with different types of independence. So, uh, namely financial, emotional, social, um, and we'll see if we want to talk about the spiritual side of things, but for now, let's, let's just talk about that. So financial independence, uh, how would you guys kind of clear? I actually have different I have two definitions for fi- financial independence. Two different. So I think one, okay, so let's say the first step, dependence. Financial, financial dependence for me, I felt like was, you know, living at home, not having money to ever move out, and then just my, depending on my parents, right? And then the first step of financial independence for me was when I did have enough and I can move out whenever I want. Like, I have this mm-hmm. money. I'm not saying I will, but I have enough I make I make enough and I can pretty much live wherever I choose to live, um, pending you know like not like a luxury penthouse or anything like that. And I think there's a mini step in financial independence where the next step of financial independence is where you don't really work for someone or you may work for someone but you have mm-hmm. enough passive or a different type of income where if that person pretty much you get fuck you money right you you get the fuck you money at that point is mm-hmm. the next stage of financial independence. And I think the last stage of this whole scenario is financial interdependence. And that's when you take care of someone else. You become the parent, let's say, right? Uh, What do you guys think of those type of definitions? I believe, I think of everything the same way, except for the taking care of someone part. I guess I just don't really consider that as financial 
independence. I feel like at one point when you do reach financial freedom, yeah, you're fuck you money. Yeah. I feel like that is the top level of financial independence, regardless if you want to take care of someone or not with their money. When I think of fuck you money, I think of that scene in um, Wolf of Wall Street when yeah. he's on the boat and he's like <laughs> going like this to the FBI agents, like yeah. fun coupons. I have a year salary well, in my pocket. Because <laughs> I honestly think to be. Let's say not financially, like not financial freedom, but to be financially independent is, in my opinion, not that tough. But yes. I think it's tougher if you have kids or you have like someone that depends on you. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's the next stage is like being able to um, care for or take care of someone else on a financial side. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think like that would be the final because because like I said, at the end of the day, it's not about living on your own, right? Mm-hmm. It's about your community so say if you don't have kids and you have a community it's about giving back to the community or mm-hmm. making a sustainable environment with in terms of finances with with the community right that so that, that's kind of the three if we were to put three boxes we'll start with dependence and then the arrow over to independence and then the arrow over to interdependence Mm-mm-mm. is how i see it mm-hmm. so when do you guys think you guys achieved say the you when did you guys move from box one to box two from financial dependence to independence I feel like when you are able to support your own lifestyle financially, you're able to pay all your own bills, you're able to, like you said, move out whenever you want or have your own place whenever you want and sustain yourself financially and you're able to save and invest enough. That's when I would say that I was able to move to the next box. And I would say that was... When was that for you? Possibly like... Three, four years ago? Three, four years ago? Mm-hmm. Like after you graduated or even before you graduated? Before I graduate, for sure, I can still uh, support okay. myself financially okay. and be stable. How See, about you, Lynn? That's interesting you say that because to me, financial independence, I achieved when I was young, very young. When I was 15, working at Shaw Commerce Center, making my own money, you know, that to me was like, when, you're, when you get your first paycheck, when you're 15, you're like, oh my God, it's like amazing. It's not that much yeah. money, but yeah. it's amazing, right? So, a little bit of history. My, my parents have their own, like, small business in Edmonton, right? So, I, I tried, and I saw them struggle to, like, make this business. So, I want to be less of a burden to them. So, they don't have to worry about, you know, buying stuff for me, giving me money, things like that. Um, yes, I didn't pay rent for a long, like, ever with my parents. But it's like, they have to, they can stop worrying about me. I can buy groceries if I need to. I can pay, do the car payments if I need to. And that's like to me. That's what that's when I achieved it when I was like 15, 15? 16 working at Shaw. <laughs> uh, like I don't. I need guess to I see what you mean. Like at whatever stage you're at in life, you're yeah. able to f- afford and financially care for everything that you yeah. need at that one stage. Oh. So say you're like fifteen, you don't need to ask for, um. Money from your mm. parents, and you don't need any allowance or anything. Mm. And you're able to pay for all mm. your toys, all your all your mm. outings with your friends, and. All that stuff. Mm. You don't need to ask your parents for any. Like and you're working hard for your own money. You're yeah. Not like mom, can you have a hundred bucks? Or like do whatever. When you get to high school, like for me, when I got to high school, I had enough money to buy my own car, and then that's mm. as much as I need at the point. Mm-hmm. So at that stage, I was financially independent as well. Uh, but for like the full financial independence, I would say like you would be able to afford your own place, support all yourself and all your financial bills and everything. That would have been like a few years ago for me. Like yeah, yeah. I think. I think for me, it's twofold. So one, I agree with all, everything you said. So pretty much being able to move out, live on your own. Say for some reason you were forced to move to a totally different city in a totally different continent from your parents. Can can you do it with your current financial situation? 
and then the other thing was uh, how stable it would be, right? So for example, when I was in school, I went through the co-op program. So that means uh, throughout my university career, mm-hmm. every other semester or however many gap, I would actually work for a, for a company and they would pay me in my opinion, quite significant amount considering what I did there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was like lulls. There's times where I wasn't really making much and there's times I was making a lot. But I think when I truly got a stable income was probably when I graduated my bachelor's and then it was stable. Like I knew for sure if I had to, if something happened in the world where my family's just gone, then I could, I could whatever I have and whatever I'm making, I can for sure just keep moving on. Mm-hmm. Right? So for me, it would probably be... When was that? I don't want to sound old. Fuck, like five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then the next stage is I, I definitely have not reached it. Like I'm working. I'm I'm an employee still, right? And I, I I personally feel like I need to try to grow and invest in myself to become you know to get that fuck you. It's not necessarily the fuck you money, but it's more so I have a way of creating income without the dependence of some manager or something like that right yes. so whether it's like a small business or something like that but even if i were to start a small business right now it i won't become that financial freedom until i get to a certain stage right because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm still depending on this loans and paying them off and etc etc right that's my thought of it i guess uh is there i guess it's tough to talk about numbers right because it's kind of different for everyone what what number is like how much do you guys think you you, you spend a month Oh. Like currently, and then if you were to, because like right now I'm I'm living at home, including bills and everything. Yeah, so like currently I live at home and I I don't pay for shit and I'm I'm, I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> but um, so like right now, like my spending is really just for my hobbies, you know, car, gas, food, things like that. So in a month, I would say like it's really low. It's kind of embarrassing. It's like in like the five hundred to a thousand number in a month. And that's for all my food, all my gas. And to be honest, the gas doesn't even cover because my company covers for some of my gas too. Yeah. So, And then it's just going on outings with friends and buying stuff. Like it's, I think I say there's that range, but it's closer to the lower end of that range per month. Currently. What's the, what's the, is there, do you guys want to share this number or you guys? Uh, yeah, let me see. I'm trying to calculate all my bills okay. and everything. But to be honest, if I were to live on my own, like it would be way, way more. Like I, yeah. I'd, I'd spend, I think for me... I'd probably spend fifteen hundred a month if I were to live on my own, just for all the bills. Does that sound like a reasonable number? Like Lynn, you you've lived on your own. Right? For me right now, because I'm paying more rent, yeah. the biggest portion of my spending would be my rent, right. which looks like thirteen hundred yeah. a month. Plus, if you add all my bills together, like phone, internet, uh, electricity, uh, what's I pay? Like food and going out and stuff like let's that. Let's say like necessities, which is car or let's say gas. Well, well, let's just say if you were to live a month, what was that like? What approximate number? Just, just you can you can push this number however much you want. To be honest, say, I ain't gonna keep track. Without luxuries, yeah. is probably around two grand a month. Oh. Mm. And See, the, the crazy thing is like people always like want these like insane numbers and stuff but i feel like we live to what we get like when i was a student i guess so there's that's the only way right yeah like gonna be broken exactly (laughs) but like i feel like people struggle and they think like 
oh, if, if someone was making 150K a year and they're like, oh my God, 75K sounds absolutely terrible, right? Mm. But when I was a student, I was making like nothing and I was still surviving yeah. very well, right? It's kind of like you live to whatever you're given. It's still or, live or, to well, your means. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. exactly. Like I'm not going to buy a new iPhone every year. Yeah. Right? yeah I'm not yeah. going to buy a new car every time a new Civic comes out. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like without luxury. So a lot of my spending would be like, yeah, going out to eat. Yeah. Games. Which is kind of shit. Oh, that's intense game. Uh, yeah, so food and games probably is my biggest one. Wait, Volleyball what? costs so much money. What do you buy in games? You buy, like, skins and shit? Not skins. Like, oh. sometimes there's Steam sales. I'll buy games. Oh, okay. That's reasonable, I guess. Um, or volleyball actually costs so much money. Yeah. In a month. I, I was thinking about it, and I was like, bro. How much I do you spend a week for, for dr- drop-ins? Drop-ins. So we book four hours. So it's 20 bucks every time. 20 bucks per hour or 20 bucks per per a week? Four hours. Oh, okay. But let's say 20 bucks for, per week. Oh, so you spent 80 bucks a month on it? Um, roughly. Oh, we don't play every week. Let's say minimum 80 bucks. Minimum? minimum Wait, that's bucks. playing every week. So Wait, we play twice is... a week. Four hours. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then yeah, sometimes Jesus. we have the five the five dollar sessions, which is not bad. Oh, okay. Um, I try not to play twice a week at, f- at 20 bucks. Because right. sometimes we'll book two hours. Yeah. Just to make it cheaper. I would say, yeah, 80 bucks. What's your what's your current spending, Viv? Um, mine is I was calculating like my monthly. Yeah, all my bills and food bills and everything. I guess before I was spending a lot more, but I recently moved back into my parents' house for the meantime, yeah. and I'm spending over a grand, like a grand. Okay. So yeah, just over a grand. That's not bad. And bills and stuff, basic costs without, before? without no. um stuff like that. Yeah, no. Mm. Oh, okay. That's not bad. See, rent takes up the biggest portion because you guys don't pay yeah. rent. Yeah, we're lucky. Right. You're lucky. We're lucky. We're 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 disgusting. <laughs> yeah, we're just degenerates living at home. Yeah. Okay. For, so for me, I don't mind it. So I've had an experience where I moved to Fort McMurray for four months to work, and I felt the only difference from doing that and living at home is seeing my parents is the only difference like i like even currently when i live at home i buy my own food i cook my own food because i because i do meal meal prep so everything's already prepped mm-hmm. for me um and the only difference because i also do laundry for myself and my parents when i'm at home uh so i did my laundry when i was out there so the only difference was literally seeing my parents because i had a similar space when i was working at former like i had my own room i had like a washroom and all that stuff so here it's like i have the basement suite let's just say uh-huh more space here than if I was at Fort McMurray but the only difference was that and I don't really have any strife with my parents so I actually don't mind living at home like I, I, yeah. I'm i pretty I have a really good relationship with my mm-hmm. parents so they, they like me being or they like me living with them and I have no issues li- mm-hmm. living with them so so that's the difference I think between you and a lot of people is yeah. their parents are just like in their face all oh, the time yeah. the, the biggest difference for me actually is eating dinner at home so I didn't realize this till the last time I was home. I have I had dinner with my parents every day, like for four days in a row. Yeah. And then I went home and I was like, Oh shit, I just realized I eat dinner alone every night for like two years. Oh me too. Yeah. In front of the computer or something, oh, right? Oh me too, me too. But see that that's the difference. You don't eat dinner with your parents. You have dinner, you already make your own food already yeah, 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 and yeah. you have your own meals. Yeah. But when I was living at home, I had dinner every night with my parents. My parents cook for me, I didn't cook for myself for the most part. Except yeah. for like breakfast and dinner if they're not home, or breakfast and lunch when they're not home. Yeah. I mean, they're always like, where are you going? Why are you, why are you going out so late? Oh, t- you know, like, shit like yeah. that. 
it's the worst for so i'm not sure about other minorities or other races but for asian girls i feel like you guys have it the worst like the worst of all of them because because i have a sister and i know how i don't even know what the term is how helicoptery or how i don't know how like like asian parents with asian girls are fucking ridiculous significantly more strict for sure I'm, i'm not sure about like you know Caucasian girls. I'm not sure about like black girls. I I I'm, I'm not sure about any other thing, but I do know for sure Asian girls have it pretty mm-hmm. shit. So I, I I definitely feel for you guys. So that was like the one of the biggest things I enjoy about living by myself or living away from my parents is I can like go out, stay out. Like for example, play volleyball, eat eat with my friends after volleyball, yeah. chill, and then go home without being like, oh, I'm I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Yeah, without like getting a call every hour yeah. saying where you are, yeah. right? Yeah. Right, it's like I'm sure you know, people can agree, too. Yeah. Well, I guess this kind of goes into a bit of our social social in- independence. Mm-hmm. So again, at one point we're dependent on say a system, right? So how do we get our social life? We had to go to school. We had to. That was literally by law. We had to go to school. You know, you make friends. You you create your social life, mm-hmm. and then you go to a social independence where you become comfortable with social interactions as an individual. And then you become interdependent where you build, live, and work with your community. Yes. Uh, When did you feel like you went from social dependence to social independence? And this might be a very blurred line. It's not like a black and white, right? It could be depending on your definition of it, I guess. Well, I wasn't exactly sure how to define social independence. So I did look this up before we started the book the podcast and it said that you value the time you have with others as much as the time you have by yourself and the time that you give right and i feel like i have never had a problem with being by myself or enjoying the company of others when i am out like i don't get fomo or anything Mm. and when i choose to be by myself i am totally fine with it and i enjoy it so i feel like i've never actually had that transition per se of social dependence versus social independence yeah however i do know that like by looking up some more definitions it said that um you need distractions sometimes you just like going out a lot or you just enjoy having people around a lot and i do enjoy doing that too and i do do enjoy going out and spending a lot of time with people all the time whenever i have free time so perhaps i do have some social dependence that isn't exactly independence Like, like i thought like this isn't binary, hey. It's it's yeah. it's almost like it's it's a scale. You know, you have a little bit of this. You, like yeah, there's like no true weeks... thing you can achieve or something. Uh huh. Okay. okay. There was another definition that said it doesn't mean that you don't need anyone or you avoid other people's help for yeah. being socially independent. And I feel like for me, per se, I do lean on my friends and I don't avoid any help. So that would put me a little bit more towards social independence. However, I do. I have been leaning on a lot of friends lately. So that part's changing on the scale. How, how about you, Lynn? How, how do you, how do you define your way of doing it? And where do you think you're at? Kind the of? only thing I can think of really is when I moved to Vancouver and I had, I knew zero people, zero. Yeah. And I had to actually start from scratch to meet friends and yeah. make a community for myself. Um, that's the only thing I can think of for social independence. But then now I'm no longer independent. I'm dependent on them to hang out with me. I'm dependent on other people to make plans with me and I make plans with other people. So I don't know. If well, that's, again, that's 
well, the, okay, there's two questions. And do you feel powerful after you could create your own co- community? I, I think that is literally a feeling of social independence. Yeah, like, I didn't realize how easy or what's the word? How good I am at making friends. I just, I'll just talk. You're right. off. Yeah, sometimes she's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even in Vancouver, there's a lot of people I know who say it's hard to make friends. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, I, I didn't have that issue. Humble break here. <laughs> <laughs> I have an issue. Like, so yeah, I was lucky. I was lucky. I was put into the pool of people. So, okay. So, I think that's one is the power of creating your own community. But how about FOMO? Do you, do you get FOMO or how does that work with you? Depends on what it is. Volleyball, definitely. I'm like, well, I wish I was playing volleyball right now. Uh. Um, well, I think that's more of a you just wanna you just wanna improve, right? It's not really a full mode. Like volleyball people... per se, it's also like you should take all the opportunities you get to play because it's not like a single person sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like full as in say your friends made plans and you know you just weren't there um, or 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 you you couldn't make it. Say say your friends right now in Vancouver made my plans. My friends right, right now actually it. are having a game night, the game thing uh, in Vancouver, and oh like I'm out of town, like I can't come. I, I wish I was there to hang out with them, yeah. but I cannot. So you don't think you really get FOMO from that? I do. Sometimes, like, I wish I was there, but I don't know if it's, like, intense FOMO. It's kind of like, oh, it's too bad I can't go feeling. I guess that's not necessarily FOMO, because FOMO you would be, like, obsessing on. Not oh, necessarily then... obsessing, but you would be like, oh, I wish I could have went. Okay, next time I'll go. Oh, my goodness, they must be having so much fun. I feel like that's more FOMO no, than, I, oh, it would have been nice if I could go. It's more like I wish I could do two things. I could do everything at the same time. You're greedy. I just want to <laughs> do everything. <laughs> but obviously, you can't do that. Uh, I don't think I have intense FOMO. Okay. I, I think the stage I'm at is I'm socially independent. I think it occurred to me after I broke up with my girlfriend in university. Mm-hmm. Uh, so say like seven, eight years ago. Uh, so, so before that, I felt like I got a lot more FOMO. I depended on, you know, being with my friends and hanging out with them and all that stuff. But then after that breakup, it was like, it felt, I felt kind of lost at first. I was like, I, you know, I used to spend like three, four days with her every week and stuff like that. And I was like, what, what the hell do I do with my time now? Right. Uh, but I think it was like a, almost like a one year journey, like a, like a self learning journey where I uh-huh. learned about myself. I became independent. I felt like I became more confident in just doing me, like not needing to hang out with people, just doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I create some metrics for myself. It, it, it sounds really weird. So, my my metrics is have you traveled alone before and then i have so that was one of the things that i wanted to do and i was like i feel like that's a step towards social in, in independence um have you ever ate a eat at a restaurant by yourself that was another one mm-hmm. and have you watched a movie by yourself i think those those were the three i was trying to like put together like hey if i could do these three things i would f- and be comfortable at the end of the day or at least even just do it right you just do it first and then if you're not comfortable at first then you're like okay why am i not comfortable? it's a step towards the right direction yeah, exactly exactly so I did those three things in that year after, and it felt very empowering. I felt like, okay, I at that point, I felt very comfortable with being by myself. I felt very comfortable doing things by myself. And like you said, like it's nice if I get to do things with others, but the amount of FOMO I get is very, very little now. And I think at that point, I felt very socially independent. I can, like, for me, I, that was a really, really proud growing moment for me. 
because you don't really learn this in school. You don't learn like how to build your yeah, own character. Yeah, like we have a whole this. we have a whole class called social studies, and it's nothing about being social <laughs> at all. Like what the fuck? It's literally just history, right? It's literally just just his, history class. But I feel like at that point where I learned, you know, how to be comfortable with yourself, how to how to be comfortable with your own thoughts, how to be comfortable with just doing oh, yeah. your own thing, how to be comfortable with knowing that your goals and other people's goals aren't the same, and you just have to do your own thing, right? Uh, and that occurred to me like seven, eight years ago. And ever since then, I was like, man, this is like, I've never been more happier. I was seven, no, it was like five years ago, I think. And yeah, at that point I was like, okay, I, I felt empowered that I can do anything I want now. Like I don't have that anxiety or the mm-hmm. fear anymore. Uh, so that felt really good. And I felt like that was when I got independent. And then if in terms of interdependent, I feel like I'm still trying to find that. In my thought of how to be interdependent, one is having a family, which I'm currently not interested in having mm-hmm. like a family yet. But uh, two is um, like working more with your community. I feel like at the moment I'm kind of more self, like I'm more reflective now, whereas I'm not really thinking of how to improve the community yet. But I feel like that's, in my opinion, the end goal. Like when I see people or when I see role models and stuff, they're stronger than just to rely or just to depend on themselves. They are actually helping others. They're, mm-hmm. you know, trying to build a stronger community around them, right? I feel like I'm not at that stage yet. I feel like I still have a lot to learn for myself, but I do see a tr- eventual transition I, I, I need to make, right? It's, it's not just enough that I'm happy being myself. How do I help the people around me, mm-hmm. right? And I, I'm definitely not at that stage yet, I can say for sure. I, I definitely... A solid independent maybe trying to transition but still very comfortably in the socially independent stage mm-hmm. I feel like yeah you definitely have to be your own friend and your own biggest supporter in order to be socially independent and yeah like you said you have to be comfortable being alone and having your own choices and sticking up with your own choices even if they differ from others yeah I feel like for myself I don't I also don't have like my own little family but I feel like in order to find some sort of interdependence, you have to depend on your friends and be okay with relying on people for help, such as what I said earlier, where it's not like you don't need anyone and you avoid having support from anyone else. And I feel like if you create a good enough circle around you with people who support you and you support them, that's a great way of having interdependence as well. Was there was there a point you guys just thought, like, back in school, you had to hang out with whoever was in school with you right mm-hmm. was there a point where you're just like okay fuck this guy i'm just gonna cut this person out like this person's toxic like i, I felt like for me there was a, definitely a point where i felt comfortable enough where i can just cut people out of my life where i was just like okay i don't need this whole chunk of people for my life i don't even talk to them anymore and they don't provide any any you know mm-hmm. ha- happiness to me i guess was there was there a like a time point for that or was that all natural for you guys mm, i feel like after like bigger periods in your life like after you finish junior high high school university you kind of have that natural purge or at least I did for myself where when you leave high school per se you don't talk to a lot of your old high school friends because you're they were only friends because you saw them every single day or after per se like a breakup you know you cut down some friends that you're like like you probably weren't even like that close of a friend of mine this is okay I can like shorten my inner circle but I feel like I constantly not necessarily cut people out, but I like to put in active active effort into my friendships, and I feel like I can only do that for so many friendships. 
What's that number again? That number we were talking Ooh, about. Yes, oh, yes. It was... Fuck. Guys, we're, we're thinking about the number I talked about on one of the podcasts. It was, like, the maximum number of people can that can be within your social circle. Mm-hmm. I think it's something related to your brain. It, like, it scales with your brain. So, I, I, I forgot what that number is. But, yeah, no, I definitely see that where... I do purge people. Oh, yeah. It was Dunbar's number. Dunbar's number, yeah. Yes. So I, I do feel like back then, I felt that there's these specific popular people that I had to, you know, be nice <laughs> to or whatever. Or I couldn't go on their bad side because they're just going to try to make my life worse. Yeah. But then after a certain point, I'm just like, I felt that I can cut anyone and everyone if I had to, if they're not advancing me as a person. And I felt like that happened during my whole independence journey where I just start seeing who my friends were but i also saw like okay these people provide no value to me i'm not saying they're bad people but like why try to create a relationship when the other person doesn't care about Mm -hmm. this friendship or whatever right so i I felt like for me i just started cutting a lot of people soon after that breakup i had with with my ex in, in university and i felt like that was it felt pretty empowering it's like there's no one person that i absolutely need And I can cut you out if you're being toxic, so just don't be an ass, right? Like, it, it, it goes both ways. If, if I want to be in that person's life, mm-hmm. I just can't be toxic too, right? Yeah. I have to be somehow contributing to their growth. Yeah, I feel like as you grow up or as anyone grows up, you definitely have to pick your inner circle and the people that you interact with on a regular day basis because those are the people that you need to actively put in some form of effort into your relationship or your friendship in order for it to grow because as everyone grows up and has separate lifestyles, you have to put in that effort in order to reach out, make plans, maintain this connection that you have with these people or else they're naturally going to fade away or like like you said, if they're toxic, then it's just not worth it having an extra issue in your life right right that's true what about you Lynn? yeah what, what do you think you are in the soul so i i guess you kind of explain right you're kind of in the you're empowered because or i feel like i feel like it's so strong that you could build your own community moving to again i was lucky mm-hmm. I was very, very lucky. quickly too yeah. but i agree with what viv said like there's times at age milestone of your life for example when you graduate high school you no longer hang out with all those people in high school. You're going to start hanging out with university friends, right? Because those are the people that you're seeing every day now. And then once you graduate university, then you're going to cut certain... Only some, only certain ones make it, right? Let's say you hung out with 10 people in high school. You're only going to talk to one, one of those 10 people now. Yeah. Then you go to university. Then you're going to have a bunch of university friends. And then you're gonna, when you graduate university, you're going to cut out... 10 of those university friends you're gonna pick two or three of your favorite people right and that's, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what happened to me like in high school in high school I only talked to like or now I only talked to like a handful like five people maybe mm-hmm. and like and like two of them probably two out of five like at a close range like every other week we'll get we'll catch up yeah and then the exception being Carmen because I, I live with her of course, we're going to talk every day, mm-hmm. right? Then when you graduate university, I picked my three, like, best friends from university. We still talk every other day, right? We all moved to different cities because they're doing the master's, and I live in Vancouver. But we start catching up, like, oh, how's it going? How was your school? Blah, 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 blah. And then you have your work friends. When you leave certain places of work, you leave behind those people. When you when you leave different hobbies, you leave behind those people. You focus on your current... Lifestyle. and Lifestyle. So my current lifestyle would be, like, my friends from work, which is not a lot. We don't hang out outside of work. My gaming friends is, is a big part of my life now, and my volleyball friends. Those isn't, two. Is, isn't work friends kind of like acquaintances? Is, is, this to is an extent, how, I feel. This is how I feel. 
all the people I work with are acquaintances until any one of them hangs out with me outside of work. Then yeah. they're considered a friend. So most of my jobs we've hung out outside of work. Oh, shit. Because I feel like you have to be professional to an extent, regardless when yeah. you're at work with your coworkers. Well, for me, like, there are some people at my workplace I actually want to hang out outside of work. And then there's a lot of them where I don't give a shit. Like, if, if someone forced me to hang out, I guess I would, but I, I, I wouldn't make plans. I wouldn't specifically take time on my day just hanging out with that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you guys talking about the inner circle number, right? Mm-hmm. Your inner circle changes with your life, I think. Yeah. I, I think for me, I have three best friends. And then other than that, it's, it'll be like my significant other, my family, and the people I hang out most with at the time. And I think that number might come to like 20, I want to say. That's like maybe on the high side too. Yeah. Like 20 total, like including best friends, fam- like the family I see or hang out all the time, and then the people I always hang out with. I don't with. consider family as your inner circle because you have to. You have I to. think, I don't know. I Like I said, I have a really good relationship with my sister. I have a really good relationship with my parents. So I, I you know, I talk to my sister daily, and then I see my parents daily. So I kind of mm-hmm. consider that as my social interactions. I also talk to my sister almost every day, and my parents and I have a good relationship now that I don't live with them. But I don't consider family as your inner circle because they're like, let's say the, this is the inner they're circle. Like a they're like, they're always there. You can't get rid of your family. Unless you're like a stranger or whatever. I think of inner circle as like non family members. Family, you have, like, I have to find my sister. I kind of get what you mean. It's kind you of know? like I your family will always be, be there, but then you kind of pick your inner circle. And then for me, at least personally, I can only. Or I choose to only tell my parents and my sister certain things because they're a part of my family. And then I don't want them to worry about the chaos that goes in my life behind the scenes. Whereas for my inner circle, that differentiates what you define as an inner circle, Alvin and or Jorge, and what Lynn, de- <laughs> what Lynn defines as an inner circle. I feel like I relate to what Lynn says because mm. I have best friends and close friends that I can tell everything and anything to and I'm a little bit more raw and unfiltered versus for my parents I want them to be proud of me and not worry about me and have all those things it's almost like a Venn diagram it's like you have a, you have one side is like your yeah, friends yeah exactly one side is your family and the overlap is like a, is, is the social circle okay. this is how I think about it I think I, I've explained it a bit before I think my family is part of my inner circle only because I feel like every single person in the inner circle I have a bank account with. So this is how oh, the yes. this is how this is how the bank account the works. Bank account. Okay, so me and say me and Viv has has a bank account. Every time we hang out together, we are both putting deposits into this bank account. Uh, after a certain number, say like a thousand, ten thousand, this is just our arbitrary number, that bank account will not lose money over time anymore. So that becomes almost like your best friend. Like, for example, a best friend, you you cannot see them for like two years. And once you see each mm-hmm. other, it's like not, time has not passed. You guys are back to the exact same stage as before you saw them. It's because you developed a yeah. solid connection yeah. or a solid foundation so, to your finances. Okay, yeah. And then the second part is if you don't reach this number, as time passes, there are, um, say, taxing. Like there's money always being taken out. And that's just because if you develop a friendship and it's not that close and then you guys don't see each other for a while, it kind of just dies right and that's the bank account being killed right and then when you ask for favors you also take out withdrawals right so if i'm asking one of my good friends for 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 a favor it's like oh i really need help doing this and then they pull through i kind of withdrew from that and they kind of deposit them like they they kind of committed more to it right and then when our joint bank account like i said reaches a certain number that's like you can ask for favors and 
say the amount it costs for a favor is now a lot less because yeah, and it doesn't reach... really matter. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's how I treat it. And then the reason I say my family's part of my inner circle is because I feel like I still have to develop. Like, I know we are by blood, but I still want to develop the relationship with them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I still want to learn to be more comfortable talking to my parents about specific things, talk to my sister or my my brother about specific things. So that's why I feel like because I'm working on that relationship, it's still part of my inner circle, oh, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah. because each individual, I feel like I they deserve my time to work on them. Therefore, they're a part of my inner circle. And I also think my family deserves the time that I take to hang out with them, to work with them, and try to develop it. Like, like I, I know, like, blood relationship is very, very strong because it's what you're given by birth. Uh-huh. But I still feel that there are ways to improve. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's definitely ways to improve your yeah. family. And I guess it's up to you if you want to because I feel like I do still want to improve because I want them as part of my life for, mm-hmm. you know, ever, right? Like... They are for, forever part of my life because we are by blood, but I want it to be forever part of my life by choice also, right? So that's why, that's, like, I'm not saying you're right, I'm wrong, or I'm wrong, you're you're right, right? I'm just saying, in my opinion, I still consider them as part of my inner circle because I want to develop a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. I can agree with you, but I can't relate. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, Unfortunately, the Unfortunate. same. I see what you mean. Uh, so, you guys want to elaborate more, you want to go into emotional dependence and i actually this is kind of tough for me i actually don't know how to really see so like emotional dependence i I actually can't really think of i guess when i was a kid i was dependent on my parents when i was feeling bad you know like you cry to your Mm -hmm. mom or your dad or something like that Oh, yeah. yeah, like well, as a kid, I did, right? You know. I mean, I can't really. I would just cry, and my parents would yell at me. Oh. Me too. They would be like, "I'll show you something to cry about." Okay. <laughs> like seventy-five percent of times, yes. But if there's some external factor, like fucking with my life, and I was a kid, I would, you know, be sad, and they would try to bring my spirits up. Is what a say. healthy family relationship is. Mm-hmm. I mean. I, I always grew up with the notion where I didn't want my parents to stress or worry about anything extra in my life. And I guess that's why I have that perspective on my inner circle and my mm-hmm. relationship with my parents and my family. So whenever I had a time where I was upset or anything, I would always hide it. Hide it and try to not show my parents. Because if it was something inflicted from my parents, my, my mom would just be like, you still sad? Let me show you something to be sad about. <laughs> or my dad would be like, are you still upset? Like, look, we need a we need to talk or we need to work yeah. things out or I, sometimes I, I didn't want to go through it with my parents because I didn't like the way they resolve conflict. So in terms of my relationship with my parents and emotional independence, I feel like I always had a significant amount of emotional independence. I kind of relied on myself to be there for myself, to meet, resolve, and be okay by myself. Do, do you think this transition age may have just been a lot younger? Like I, I felt like... I don't know, like, if you're a four or five-year-old, and you drop your ice cream and you're sad, your parents would try to, like, you, you didn't understand, you, you didn't understand it's how to become weird. happier, right? So your parents kind of, you know, like, try to cheer you up, right? So I don't, I've mentioned this a few times in the past podcast, but I have a very, I felt like I had a very different perspective growing up. And whenever I dropped an ice cream, I knew it was sad because I lost my ice cream, but I wouldn't cry about it because I knew crying wouldn't do anything to get it back. Mm, very logical. Yes. However, I was just going to say that I felt like as I grew up and started dating people, I'm somebody that falls head over heels for everyone I date, and I've only ever dated two people. And I feel like when it comes to relationships, I have a little bit less emotional 
independence and I have more emotional dependence on my partner. So for say, if I had a bad day, I would go towards my partner and be like, hey, I had a bad day. Like, I had a bad day. Can you do something to cheer me up in a sense? Or after I had this, my first very bad breakup was when I kind of learned a little bit more that it was okay to lean on your friends. And I feel like I've really stepped that up a notch this time around where I'm like, I take care of me. I can't take care of myself. Okay, so this is how I think about it. And and I'll give you guys examples so maybe you guys can really... the very first part, emotional dependence, would be like what I said before. You know, you drop the ice cream, you're a little kid, you don't really know how to, you know, you're mm-hmm. sad about it, and then your parents kind of cheer you up. And I think emotional independence is when you know what your emotions are telling you, what you're feeling, and you know how to resolve them. And then emotional interdependence is knowing that other people will need help with this, and you will need help with this, and you're okay with the exchange of external help with your inner circle or your friends or whoever it may be i think at that stage you kind of reach this emotional interdependence where you have a community willing to you know bring you up whenever you're down but at the same time when you have another member in the community you're willing to do what it takes to bring them back up right i think that's that that's just my opinion like i said i don't think any of this is defined anywhere Uh so it's really how you see it right and that's kind of how i see because i don't really see a stage after that for emotional um dependence right like like at that point, you I feel like you kind of reach peak of emotional stability. Not stability, but like emotional growth, mm-hmm. per se. How would you differentiate being... When you said that you can like rely on your support circle and they'll bring you up if you're feeling down and vice versa, how would you differentiate that between emotional dependence when you depend on your social circle to help bring you up? So I'll go back to the same scenario the whole breakup thing mm-hmm. so uh when i broke up with my ex i felt like i felt lost i felt like i didn't know what to do i didn't know how to get over it mm-hmm. and then i was trying to lean on some friends but i felt like no one was really helping or really kind of comforting me okay. and then at that point i just learned by myself like okay you know idiot jorge just just get over it there's these things you can do look at what else and then through time i just got over it mm-hmm. right and at that moment i felt like okay if i'm upset or if i'm angry or whatever whatever i know one of the ultimate things that will get me over is time and i learned that and that kind of grew patience so like when i get angry i wouldn't just act out i would know like why am i angry how do i get through it you know what's the next stage right mm-hmm. now that's the independent part then the next step is seeing or being empathetic with others i feel like i am not a very empathetic person naturally so it took me extra effort to learn like okay what does this person need to you know get themselves out of this hole Mm -hmm. and what can i provide and to me the hardest part was sometimes it was just having that shoulder to to lean on Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's actually doing something right um but i think when i learned that i felt like my emotional growth like exceeded just independence because now i'm looking for cues finding how to be empathetic with others and then at that point i felt like i'm reaching but not mastering emotional interdependence and that's how i kind of govern that it's not the fact that you depend on someone so there are some people who are completely dependent and they're completely like useless without their best friend or whatever like that. Okay. And and, and, that, and that's, that's that's just where they are at, at their lives. Mm-hmm. But for example, Viv, in your situation, I have full confidence that if you had no one around magically, you could 
through time, so it won't be instant, and it'll take yes. probably a lot longer amount of time if you don't have those people around you. But you understand that, okay, I could take less time to get over this situation by allowing my community in. Okay, yes. Right? That that's, that's, how, that's, how, that's how I think about it. I think emotional dependence is they don't actually understand how to get over something. Is uh, when you become emotionally and de- you're just dependent. Looking towards someone for answers. Right, exactly. And then when you become emotionally independent, you now learn how to get over certain feelings, what the feelings mean. And then when you're interdependent, you found a new process or a new way of doing it faster, more efficient, and also looking out for others too. I, I think for me, the stage I'm at is I'm very emotionally independent and I'm learning to become more emotionally interdependent. Because sometimes I just. I, I'm one of the guys who just don't give a fuck a lot. Like, <laughs> like I'm just like, oh fuck, she's crying. Like not to my significant <laughs> others, but like if my friend oh, they're crying, I'm just like, well, you know, I'm thinking like at the moment I'll be like, oh, what's what's for lunch tomorrow, something like that, right? Which is which is bad because I don't want to, but naturally that happens. Like I feel like I'm not naturally an em- empathetic person, but with my current relationship and with my family and all that stuff, I feel like I'm putting in a significant effort to try to learn empathy because I feel like empathy isn't. Like, for some people, it comes very natural. I feel like nurses, doctors, like, like mm-hmm. people who are in a caregiving position, it feels so natural for them. But for me, where I mostly work with, I, I work with people, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to build a machine, a thing, or something like that, and mm-hmm. I care about that a bit more. The empathy is not as natural for me. So that's what I'm trying to learn. That's, let's just say that's my stage of my emotional growth. Oh, interesting. I feel like by your definition of emotional independence and and interdependence i would say that i am somewhere in a mix i want to believe that i'm an emotional i've reached the stage of emotional interdependence because i feel like i do look out for how to better foster my relationships how to better have empathy understand them but however my flaw is that i do it too much i guess i try a little too hard to the extent where i cross my own boundaries or i'm empathetic to an extent where i put myself second which wouldn't necessarily be interdependent anymore and that's just i don't even know if that would be inter or independent at that point well i think like i have too much empathy i believe oh i think it's like you're for sure i think at least at the independent stage Mm -hmm. because now you found what's wrong right it's Mm -hmm. like like I said before, I feel like the dependent stage is like you feel useless. Like you feel oh, like you, yeah, you don't know how to true. get through it. But at least you know like, okay, these are the flaws I have, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that makes you at minimum at the independent stage. But I feel like like true emotional interdependent, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, I know some people who are very close to that. And I feel like, man, I like those are kind of someone I look up to. Because like how, how the hell do you care for all these people? It's like like doctors who just go out and like help people and stuff like that mm-hmm. i was like how like i feel like i have like my give a shit meter is so fucking small <laughs> like i just i don't know man now we have opposite problems <laughs> like like my give a shit meter is low as fuck it's just a very small meter after crossing bound i'm like i don't give a shit anymore when i was looking up the definition for emotional independence one of the definitions that i found was to be able to understand, reflect, and process your own emotions, which I feel like is something that you definitely need for interdependence. Yeah. And I feel like I am quite good at doing the reflecting and processing my own emotions. However, I do like to turn to, to friends for help. Right. And I think that's a great part of the mm-hmm. interdependent part is like, you know that, hey, if this person, if I can talk to this person, it's going to make me feel a little bit better. And this is just step one of however many for me to get over this 
situation, this helped. feeling yeah. or something like that. How about you, Lynn? What do, what do you feel about this? Where, where do you feel like you're at and how, how do you feel about what we just talked about? I think that this specific type of independence is not linear. I think mm. it's like, it's like a circle or it's like a web because sometimes I feel... You're not very scientific right yeah. now, so let's 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 hear this out. Charts? Is yeah. this a parabola? Like, like you, X, yeah. Y? What's going on here? Like you use the word linear. I'm thinking like is so it exponential like this, like or this logarithmic? Is, like now? this is linear. You're you're yeah. you're evolving from dependent yeah, yeah. to independent to dependent oh, or I interdependent. See. Right? Yeah, okay. I feel like I have not been through a part of my life where it was like at one point I was this. And then, then I'm this, right. and then this. It depends on the situation. Every day is a different situation. And a good example of that actually is, um, I recently started, I, I have a boyfriend recently. For the oh, first time. Okay. More humble breaks, but all right, let's like, go okay. in. Let's go. <laughs> I got a boyfriend. I finally found someone that likes me enough to date me. And that's oh very hard. Oh my God, that's some uh, self right, so No, it's very hard there, for ma'am. me to find someone that likes me that much. Because I'm a kind of shitty person. No, no, no. Oh, you're, no. You're, you're, All right. Anyways, we need to discuss this one on another topic yeah. later. <laughs> so, recently, I've been... So, I recently started dating my boyfriend for like two months now, officially. Two, three months. And he, he, he noticed this thing that I do where when I get upset about something... I will like, I don't want to talk. Don't, don't talk to me. I just, I'll just like be a turtle and I go into my shell. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just, I just go into bed and I just cry by myself. And I'm like in my house by myself. I'm not answering the phone calls. Everyone's trying to be like, oh, are you okay? I, I, no, I don't want, I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think back to it. I think because I'm like that, it's because my ex-boyfriend of, from four years ago, I don't remember much of how I acted when I was dating him. But once we broke up, I was alone for a long time. Not alone in a sense of like, no one cared about me, but like, that main structure in your life, the main pillar of your life that you go to to talk to, is gone. So I, and and on top of that, I moved to a new city, so I kind of like, it's harder to keep inter, you know, personal connections when your best friend's nine, a thousand miles away, right? right? You can talk on the phone, it's not the same. Right. Right? So you still talk, but it's not the same. But, then I started to develop like, I just keep be by myself. I will just take care of myself. And I think maybe that goes along with moving to a new city. And also my parents raised me to be independent. Like, you shouldn't... You should change your car tire by yourself. You need to make your own money. You need to buy oh. your own whatever. So it's kind of like a... It's kind of like a... What's it called? Like, a river? Like, many rivers flowing into one big channel. Wait, Wait. Your, your parents didn't believe in uh, being a sugar baby? No, no. <laughs> my dad's always like relatable. <laughs> my dad's always like make your own money, pay your own shit, be, do your own whatever, change yeah. your own car tire. Yeah. You don't need you don't need a man. You don't need anyone. Nice. Make sure you take care of yourself first before you let other people take care of you. Is how my parents kind of raised me. Yeah. So there's times where I'll be upset and I'll be like, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk. And then my boyfriend went and then went. Why do you do this? I'm literally I'm here for you. And you're just, you rather be by yourself. Like, you should be, you should know that I'm here for you. And then I'm thinking, like, why do I do that? I don't know why I do that. I do have a support system. I want to talk to, I should be talking to people, but I didn't. And then he had to convince me, like, listen, I I get that you don't want to talk about it. You tell me when you're ready, but don't think that you're alone in handling every shitty situation. I'm here for you now. And you need to be alone. And that it's better to be alone. Yeah, so you you might think it's better to be alone, but it's not. You have so many people that care about you, and he's not the only person that said that to me, and uh, going through like my, my rough times, where they'll be like, "I'm also here for you," and 
don't think that you need to do everything alone anymore because I'm here. So then I realized I'm like that now because, again, yeah, I was alone for, like, a long time. And now that I have, I actually have someone that, like, is dating me and, like, wants to be with me and, like, is supportive, I have, to, I have to remember, like, oh, yeah, there is someone out there that cares about me enough that, like, I can talk to. Not saying I don't have friends to talk to, but, like, I have to remind myself that there are other people that want to take care of me. And I'm no longer, like, I don't have to take care of myself all the time. So you're struggling with that part where it doesn't mean that you don't need anyone and you avoid help. In yeah, terms so of- interdependence to me is, like, of emotions is, like, knowing that there's people out there that will take care of you even if you don't want to. And you're, you're not alone even if you feel like it. Mm. Feel like you have to, you should be counting on other people. You shouldn't be alone, ever. Okay, like, let me mansplain this <laughs> the best I can. Very necessary, of course. <laughs> Very asked for. Uh, I'm actually not sure. I like this was similar to my ex. Wherever she would get angry, she would just just shut me out completely and just like deal with her. I, I think that sometimes it's you might be frustrated because you don't understand the emotion enough or how to get through it. That you couldn't even talk to someone even if you wanted to. Because you mm-hmm. don't even know how to put it in words. Or you don't even know how to explain to someone. And that's why you want to kind of shelter yourself from it. But I also feel like the more you experience that struggle or something. You start learning, okay, this is what it is. This is what it feels like. And maybe this is the way out. You probably don't know the way out yet, right? But at least now you can start explaining what's happening. What's the emotion. Where you're at. What do you feel, right? Like, what, what do you feel? Why do you feel that way, right? And then I feel like after it happens enough you are able to like when you're in that position you're able to have a conversation with the people you care about that hey this is where i'm at this is why i feel shitty mm-hmm. and maybe this is what's happened helped me in the past or like just you know i'm open for suggestions this is just again like a me. stronger control and understanding of your own feelings exactly and it, it's just like say in volleyball serving at first you serve just sucks but as or no say it's more so like receiving so when you first receive it sucks but as you experience more and more serves with different people and different hitting styles and stuff like that you start to understand it and you start to um explain it or interpret it faster whereas you don't have to shell yourself anymore where you can take say five ten minutes instead of five ten hours to truly understand and explain that now Mm -hmm. that's me projecting because i have no idea because i've only experienced this with girls like but there also is the factor of having pride and ego and mm. thinking that you are understanding yourself or you are dissecting and reflecting when you aren't at the moment because you don't know how to control your emotions. Right, per se. right. Well, it's like the whole like kids acting out. I feel like that's literally them not understanding some emotion mm-hmm. they're having. And, and they're they could just... be saying that, oh, I'm really angry, I hate you and stuff. Then they may feel like that's... Yeah. them explaining and understanding their emotions but right right but for, it isn't yeah in reality they're upset about yeah. one specific thing they're sad about something like you know like if a kid was angry and you know something bad happened in their life maybe they're actually sad but the only way they know how to interpret or the only way they know how to express themselves is through anger then that's what throwing comes a tantrum yeah, yeah exactly but that's that's how i think but that's good i feel like you're i feel like you know it's mm-hmm. an issue and you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how do I go to the next step so, yeah. of it? So what I told him was like, I will try to open up to you next time, even though it might not be easy. But I'll be like, I feel blah 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 instead of being like, don't me. Well, me. it's also a two way street, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, I feel like I have a good relationship with my significant other, and I feel like I know when to give her the space and time, mm-hmm. and when to try to help. And 
I feel like that's just through experience, right? Yeah, like, it's definitely like, a push and pull game. Yeah, for sure. like there's no way if 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 it wasn't for the exes in my life, my mm-hmm. current relationship would probably be over. Mm-hmm. But because of the exes in my life, I learned to grow from that. And I learned cues. I learned what's good, what's bad, and know how much effort to put mm-hmm. in and when to just do my own thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just through experience, I think. Through, yeah. Heartbreaks. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Those are the best things <laughs> to learn from. God mm-hmm. fucking damn it. So uh, let's get a little bit woo-woo here. Spiritual. 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 I don't even know how to explain it. So for me, this is the best I can experience. Spiritual dependence is like, I see a ghost and I'm scared as fuck. <laughs> or like, I'm scared of... I was going to go or, a whole different direction. Yeah, or like, like I'm scared of death or something like that. Or I don't know what's going to happen after. And the spiritual independence is learning the possibilities and, you know, thinking. Because like, none of this really relates to science or logic, right? It's more mm-hmm. of a... You know, it's almost religious, right? Like, what do you believe happens after you die and stuff like that? And that's as far as I think of spiritual independence. But at the same time, I feel like there is some, some I don't know, weird spiritual connection that I don't know how to explain. Like, there are times where um, I'm in the sauna or something like that. And without artificial things, like without like drugs or anything like that, I feel a very peacefulness inside of me mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this relates to spiritual or not but or I'll be listening to music and I feel like I'm in a trance or something oh yeah music right. music and I guess going on long drives at night you feel oh. like you're in a trance because you're so head deep in your thoughts yeah and sometimes you don't even pay attention to where you're going I mean like everything is on on an autonomous mode you're just driving and you're just on autopilot I guess but I feel like whenever I go on long drives I get into not necessarily a trance, but I do get it really deep in my head because of the music and the long roads. Right. It feels really nice that way, too. So what, what, what do you guys think? I, like, I don't even know how to explain this. Like, what, was, is, what is spiritual independence? Is like yeah, yeah, I was too. going to say that spiritual dependence would be people who, I guess, blindly follow a faith or a religion without um. questioning it. Regardless, they just say... No, the Bible says this, or no, like the Mormons our, or something. Our God says this. There's no way. Don't question it. Don't ask any questions. Right. Don't defy it at all. Whereas, social or not social, spiritual independence were, would be where you would say like, "Oh, I am religious." However, there are some things that I question. Mm-hmm. There are some things that I'm not sure about, and it, it doesn't really jive with my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. However. I still am religious and I acknowledge that there are some things I don't necessarily agree with and some things I don't necessarily understand and I'm not I guess blind to that. Yeah. Like there's there's no I know there are flaws in my religion. Yeah, there's no perfect religion where mm-hmm. they've answered everything perfectly and logically, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like spiritual interdependence would be if you have things that you disagree on, but you're like this religion or this culture has enough values and qualities to it that I can apply to my life that I feel like are beneficial but I also do know that it doesn't work out for everyone else right. and you can have your religion and I respect your religion but I also have mine and that's okay too I feel like that would be the best part of interdependent spiritual stuff I don't relate to any of this because <laughs> I'm I don't sometimes I feel like a spiritual person like I believe in like uh, I believe I believe in ghosts mm-hmm. first of all I they're there spirit they're there they're wherever um, I also am very superstitious, which I think is spiritual as well. Like, this ain't some star sign bullshit, is it? Probably. Yeah, 
Pro- no, no, no. Are you going to say, are you born a Leo? Because that's such a Leo thing to say. No. <laughs> no. For example, I... Aquarius is in rising. No. <laughs> <laughs> Some bullshit like that. <laughs> like, I'll never... Your walk... Venus is showing. <laughs> like, I'll never walk under a, a ladder. Oh, like superstitions. Superstitions. Oh. Dude, we should have superstitions. a whole... We're probably going to have one day a oh, whole podcast Can I come only back about superstitions. about superstitions. Oh, my goodness. Um, the common ones is like I don't open an umbrella inside. I will not um, go under a ladder. Breaking will... mirrors, seven years bad luck. Do you yeah, believe in that? Kind of, yeah. Damn it, I... salt thing. <laughs> you don't push it over or something like that, or you don't. You spill push it? the salt over. You have to flick salt. Like I feel like oh, I, don't I, I used to believe in some of these things. I feel like okay, well if it's something superstitious, I'll just do. I'll just not do it, right? Yeah. But then when it happens to me, I'm like, well, fuck. Yeah, it's not true, anyways. <laughs> like I broke in a mirror before when I was packing up my stuff. But when it happened, I was like, oh shit, that's seven years of bad luck. Nah, it's probably not real. It doesn't happen to me. Whatever. Forget about the shit. <laughs> I, I, I also, speaking of luck, I find that I'm a very unlucky person. I, I truly <laughs> yeah, believe. And maybe, shoot, What's this copium going on? Whatever, whatever Noel tells me, like, Who's you won't believe. Lynn? Uh, Lynn says something like, <laughs> sorry. Whenever Lynn says something like, you won't believe a shit that happened to me. It's always a story that's like, of course it happened to you. It has to be you. There's no other person so, this amount of a, bad yeah, luck so shit would happen A good example to. is, and I, and I truly believe that either in my past life, I was I was Ted Bundy in my past life. <laughs> I don't know whose grave I spit on in my past life, but it's it's cursed me up until this life. So this is a good example. Last Sunday, when my boyfriend was changing my winter tires, the bolt was too tight on the tire. Yeah. So naturally, what do you do? You crank it harder. Yeah. Right? And he, so he cranks it harder, and it breaks off. The whole stud with that with that bolt on it, it uh. comes off completely. And then, and then we took the tire off, and then like, so it's like the five studs, right? Yeah, but yeah. like one's fucking missing. Uh. And like, what are the chances of that happening? Tell me. They slim, to, slim. Was it cold when he did it? No. Oh. Slim to fucking none, and of course, that happened to me. So I f- and they, among other things, I don't know. There's some science in it. No, no, no. There's another part. No, no. But there's if you look at like me in a in a month, there's a lot of shitty things that happen to me coincidentally. That I'm like, of course it's me, right? Like another example is on the highway when I go drive to work. <laughs> it's the accident is always on when where I'm going, not the other way. Every time. Every time. Every, every literally time. every time. Okay, I don't know about that. I feel like you notice the times that happens to you, but you don't notice the times that it doesn't happen to you because it doesn't affect no, your no, life. No, no, it's not that. that, that it's, I know that because it does happen every other time. Or like, there's somewhere I'm important that I'm going to, and of course that day, at that time, there would be an accident. Or, like, the fact that I got this weird tonsil thing two days before I was supposed to fly here. No, we all know. Her freaking uh, tire <laughs> flew off while they were driving yeah. on the road. Which never ha- freaking happens to anyone. I've but seen, it happened to her. I've seen it happen. You guys didn't tie... Did you... We torqued it, yeah. With a torque wrench? Mm-hmm. With certain... Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck up. You guys <laughs> had a torque wrench? If you hear all, all the little wrench. things that happens to Noah, it's I like, I bet remember. you did a great job, but it's just you, I'm yeah. sure. You actually went on the torque wrench, found exactly what foot pounds you need, and you... Yes. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and there's there's so many things that are just bizarre that have happened to me. And I'm like, of course it's me. Maybe you so, have to pray to someone soon. Are you atheist? Yeah. Uh, have of. you sinned a lot in your life? Yeah. Like, Probably. Jesus. 
Hey, if you believe in past lives, then don't you believe in like like Buddhism believes in reincarnation? I do believe in reincarnation. Oh, you believe in reincarnation. So I'm not super spiritual, but I'm a little bit spiritual. So there's other things. For example, like I always wear jade. Not today. For some reason, I think it's in my bag. I think you're a liar. Took it off. I took off the royal. But I, I see, you always wear it except for the day that you talk about <laughs> it. I see, how convenient. So there's this superstition that in Chinese culture that, like, jade protects your spirit from demons, from, like, you know... Oh, so your spirit's getting fucked wear. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn. So, like, that's not what I believe. But I don't, um, I don't... I can't relate it to interdependence, dependence. Yeah, no, just... me too. I actually don't... I thought it was kind of... Like, I am religious, I'm Buddhist, and I feel like I have a very comfortable knowledge of where my consciousness will be in the future so maybe that makes me spiritually independent like i I know when i rely on you know my my religion and stuff but i'm also very open to a lot of other religions Uh, i'm a big proponent of freedom of speech so i don't care what religion you are you're the what the flying spaghetti monster one i think that i forgot i forget the exact one but there is one where someone created their own yeah yeah religion i don't give a shit you can have whatever religion you want you can do whatever the hell you want and i'll still listen but similar to what viv said i will try to take in whatever i think is right but i I do find in general a lot if not all the religions their main goal and concept is about the same it's like you know helping others being a good person not Mm -hmm. being a dick things like that and that's truly just what i believe basically the rules on how to be a good person yeah and for me if it has it has a bit more actual impact because i believe in karma but not karma but like this life like next life and stuff like that uh so i try but sometimes it's i don't know sometimes i just like i said my give a shit meter is pretty low so i don't believe in karma because i'm a very good person i'm a nice person Uh, no but like the true buddhism (laughs) definition of karma is like it doesn't affect your current mm. life it'll affect next your life? next life so, so you being a good person my, now will, will have life. a good life but my next last life. life ted money yes yeah exactly you're so your last life whatever it was <laughs> was money. was super shitty and yeah if that's how you want to see it well is there is there anything else we went financial emotional social a little bit of spiritual i guess that's about all in the woo-woo stuff what mature like maturing as a person is independent as a whole so mm. none of those things but just like Literally leaving the nest, literally taking the opportunity to be your own person. What kind of independence would that be? I guess combination of all. Those? I feel like there's a responsibility to yourself when you, as you grow up and you mature, not necessarily just to leave the nest, but also to make sure that you become a good just person become and you an become adult. a. Because yeah, yeah, you can live at home. You can live at home for like thirty years. You can depend on your parents for thirty years, but are you are you like a developed person? No, you don't know how to cook. Probably you don't know how to make your own money. You don't. No, I don't no, no, know I what you're talking about. <laughs> you know. the, the difference between Jorge and another random basement rat that I'm thinking of. Think, oh, okay, think of those sure. basement okay. rats that like don't so like ever a, cook like meals. a stereotypical TV show. One of those basement dwellers. Basement dwellers. They're like 45. They still or 35. They still live in their basement. Their parents. They don't cook. Do their own laundry. They don't socialize. They don't. They don't develop as Mom, you didn't wash my socks yeah. today. So they're acting like a, they're like still eighteen year old living mindset, but they're like in their thirties, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know people like that too. Can we just run it down? Like, okay, first of all, financially they probably don't have a good enough job to sustain themselves outside of their but parents' place. But they also place. don't want to get a better job because oh, okay. why would I? Fair why enough. would I get yeah. a better job because I could just stay here and work a normal job? Then, so like the the amount of people actually this I don't know if this bothers you guys pisses me off when people say. <laughs> Why do I need to get a job when I could just apply for SERP? Why don't I apply for EI? Like, 
go like okay i get that serb helps people who don't have the means to find a job but now covid's pretty much over go fucking find a job why are you still on serb mm. Dude, like, if you're if you're able to seems like that's the albertan in you no. i like it <laughs> i like it like, like it's just me as a developed like a depend independent person i think is yeah. like yes i could be jobless and be on serb and do shit all day but make money or i could be a useful person in society and make money but so i feel like that interconnects with the three things we talked about right like one they don't have the financial independence but two they don't have the the social intelligence to know that mm. maybe this is not like mm. maybe stealing not, not stealing but like yeah taking social welfare from other people forever not only is it financially not independent but like you're actually not creating something mm-hmm. for yourself and your community at the end of the day right mm-hmm. and emotional i feel like a lot of them they don't like they don't care enough or they they're so numb from like playing video games all year or something that they don't care enough that when something bad happens, they just kind of, like, throw a tantrum or something like that, right? Which is what I define as, like, not being emotionally intelligent enough mm-hmm. to, to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, that maybe that's something else. Maybe just, just leaving the nest. Maybe, maybe everyone's just got to, at a certain age, just... Okay, this is the, the two things I believe. Everyone should have a buy year between high school and university because no one knows what the fuck to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, that is a stupid and, thing and that we forced in this society. And maybe before the age of 30, you just got to move out once, even for a short duration, just to know what's life like out there. I also feel like everyone should work in a restaurant, at least... Customer service. Customer service, for at sure. least. I think restaurants specifically, you deal with all the shitty people in the restaurant. Like, all the restaurant has, like, supplies all the types of people, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone should work in a restaurant, like, one week of your life, you should work in a restaurant. Here, this is how I'll one-up it. Maybe in school, they should teach more life shit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> stupid shit like social studies. Like, I get it. We need to know our history a yeah. little bit. But maybe not freaking 12 years yeah. of it. I would have loved to learn banking. Or have more diverse subjects that you can learn that tailor fit to what kind of lifestyle you actually want and what kind of information mm-hmm. that you actually want to learn. Or like home economics. You should know how to cook if you're an adult. Yes. Like, I have a friend yeah. who, like, she wants to move out, but her deterrent is, I don't know how to cook. I'm like... <laughs> well how are you 25 you don't know how to cook yeah, i feel like that's a part of the responsibility of having independence in general as a person as you grow up and you mature you have to be able to take care of yourself financially and be able to mature and grow yourself as a person into somebody that you are proud of into somebody that is capable and able to sustain themselves and take care of themselves as an adult you can feed yourself you can cook for yourself you can do basic i guess projects around the house you are self-sustainable you won't like call your parents every single time you need help or you can basically govern yourself accordingly to an adult as an adult so i think these three things maybe not spiritually as much but these three things financial emotional and social tie into a development of a human being Mm -hmm. oh yeah for sure like a well-rounded yeah, person. and not everyone will have per- achieve perfection in all three, but you take and you give from each category. Yeah, you Here, definitely need to work on all three. Here's a weird one. Um, so since we bash the school system a bit, what do you guys think about homeschooling? I personally think that homeschooling is only great for children who have a hard time socializing with other children, or they have a learning disability. Whereas where if they were in a classroom setting, they would have a harder time to focus. But I do believe being in school helps develop you mm-hmm. so much as just your own character because you're going right. to get bullied, you're going to make mm-hmm. a lot of friends, you're going to get rejected, you're going right. to go through heartbreak, you're going to go through pe- like people not liking you, people liking you, favoritism, all that stuff. You're going to 
basically being a society of people who are also the same age as you and you can learn and reflect on things that you cannot learn if you're at home all the time with just your mom. Then you develop character. You do develop yeah. a lot of character Here's... and you hear a lot of different opinions that you wouldn't hear if you were sheltered sheltered or homeschooled. Okay, here's here's something I'm going to invent right, right away. What if they had a school system? You know how, okay, you went to university, you, you pick and choose your courses. What if we had a school system where the parents can pick and choose what their kids want to learn? So if some mm. parents were like, okay, I care about my kids just learning about, like, like there's basics. You have to have X amount of math, right? Like, you okay. have to have no up to X amount of level of math. But I actually feel like sometimes the level of math we learn in high school currently is beyond what people actually need and use in life. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if they can make a tailor-made system, like, okay, I'm a, I'm a parent and I want my kids for sure to learn something about cooking. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm in customized. I need something about cooking in there. I think learning about tax is very important. So there's, you know, a course there. Then all of a sudden you're in, maybe this is a bit of like a bit of an echo chamber, but you're in a environment where all these other people's parents agree with like this is how you should be taught right certain things but at the same time you still are within a general system i, I agree with that cool. i think that's pretty great because everyone has basics that they need to know everyone yeah. should know at least the basic fundamental knowledge yeah i guess it would differ from country to country but everyone should have the same around basic knowledge you should, everyone should know how to do addition yeah. subtract multiply well, all that stuff like my, my thought process is like okay you might need to know a basic level of biology so you know like you know you should go see a doctor mm-hmm. if this happens or stuff like that but if i want to be a plumber i don't want to fucking know about I, like, I don't care about like like mitosis and meiosis and all that <laughs> shit or like i don't care about like these specific things i just don't give a shit yeah exactly and and couldn't we like almost fast track development by letting people tailor made things and if people don't know then oh, yes you have to go through the generic system but i think that'd be such a cool system if you mm-hmm. can kind of like pick and choose like because to be honest like i use a lot of the math i learned in high school but that's because i of the profession i'm in did I lose, use a lot about the English that I learned in high school? Absolutely not. Like, junior high English was probably the extent of what I needed to mm-hmm. to do what I had to do in university. Social studies, again, like, not so much. Like, it didn't really affect me that much. I think social studies is important, though, for sure. I, I, I think it is. To an extent, I feel. But to, to know what has happened, like, like history. So, you don't so itself. Yeah, so, so there should be, like, a baseline history, mm-hmm. a baseline math mm-hmm. that you must achieve. And then, say two years of your high school so up to grade 10 you hit all your baselines and then this last two years you customize to whatever you actually want to become and then if you don't know then you just got to do whatever right but like forcing people to learn like okay if someone wants to be this might be a bad example but if someone wants to be a social worker do they really give a shit about pythagoras theorem like yeah exactly like not really like i see why math's super important but um, what about when you're at that stage you don't know what you want to do true that's tough then that's where you have the general curriculum where you follow and it should have at least a little bit of everything yeah but i feel like in today's school system there's a lot of things that you don't need to do that's completely useless like writing a shit ton of papers repeatedly on all these kind of books like Like, do do i care about shakespeare i don't give a fuck about shakespeare i disagree with that because you're writing paper you're writing grammar and english it it helps you in the future when you're writing a resume for example you're writing i'm, or you I'm could sure teach those specific skills instead of saying oh we could teach you some sort of skill and you could possibly adhere it to writing a resume why don't they just start with teaching but you think how to about write a resume? what a book report is you're reading something and you're paraphrasing it into whatever which is important in everyday no, life it's not. i can no? prove it spark notes does spark notes is great spark i've used notes, that you're so done. often it saves yeah. a lot of time but okay so so i kind of get what you're saying but so i i took a course in university 
it's English for engineers, pretty much. So it's about technical writing. And I felt like that should be the peak. Like, you should learn up to technical writing, and then anything beyond that is completely up to you if you want to learn. But learning up to technical writing, like, I love that class because it was very, like, it was just straight up, this is how you write a recipe. This is how you write instructions. This is how you write, you know, very... Get to the point, cut the bullshit, this is what it is, right? Do you have to write academic journals in engineering? Like citations? Uh, I had to do that for my master's. Mm. But again, I feel like that could be like a seminar on its own. Like how do you, you know, properly mm-hmm. write that, right? But it doesn't need to be a three-year fucking course in high school or learn about Shakespeare half See, the time. or things that I feel like are still useless in per se university is when you have to take certain electives just because they're in a certain category for your credits. That's a different... So you take a stupid random bio class and you do all these lab reports, but it doesn't do anything That's towards also a your different career, conversation. what knowledge you actually need to know. Because university is a business. Yeah, to try to make money. I could easily have gotten my Bachelor of Science in two years. Yeah, easily. But did I know? But, but public education shouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, public education mm-hmm. should be doing what's best for... Kids, yeah, right? instead of just some random mess put yeah. together. Because because how it was built was kind of like industrial ages. You gotta send these kids somewhere. So I guess we're gonna give them but a cookie cutter education. What about those parents who either a don't give a shit? Yeah. Or yeah. b the parents that give too much of a shit and they don't let their kids do what they want. That's true. That's there is that. definitely something that we could do in the school system. I believe where we could have better counselors and better people who watch over you and make sure that you're going not necessarily down the right path but a path that you would want and to help guide you instead of just being like well fuck you got detention kid mm-hmm. as soon as you said that lynn it, it surpassed my give a shit meaning i was like oh fuck that's it my 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 solution's <laughs> gone i don't have it anymore i don't know how to solve it for these people and it is life <laughs> and then i guess that's where they kind of really rely on just hoping that the teachers actually care about their students which yeah. isn't always the case well it's almost like i wish i don't know i, I wish there was the first good teachers deserve better pay but very yes. specific good teachers because there are some very uh complacent professionals for sure and they and already that, have tenure and they're like yeah, 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 <laughs> i don't give a like show that. about your education but and how you do i don't know it's it's like it's almost like it's a flawed system but it's not like end of the world like, mm. like you can't just like rip it all up completely because it's still a system that kind of works right it's kind of like i don't know this is getting very political but like you know a lot of the systems in the west may be flawed but we've learned from history other systems could be very terrible it's something. And drastic. Yeah, yeah it's something that can give us like at the moment because we're so privileged it feels like mm-hmm. it sucks but if you live back in the day, you'd be like, oh shit, or this even is not bad country. of a system. Yeah, exactly. I have heard that in Vancouver, or in BC probably, social studies was taken out as a for, as a core subject for little kids, and now coding is a core subject, yes. which I completely support and I think That's is an best. amazing decision. So they replace social studies with coding? Or is it you optional? have an option of replacing social studies with coding as a core subject, cool. and I believe everyone should do that. Well, you're biased, though, because you're not support. No, th- this is what I think. I think English and social right. should be almost combined. Like, learning mm. about history oh, yes. and learning about language, it's almost mm. interconnected. You can't learn a, mm-hmm. you can't learn language without the history, and you can't learn history without mm-hmm. the language. And it grows and develops together. And I definitely think coding or STEM-related things has yes. got to be up STEM there. STEM-related things should be yeah. at top priority, yeah. I believe. Yeah. STEM is the best. But I am very biased. I am biased. Yeah, well. biased. But then there's the kids who don't give a shit about coding. 
True, but okay, this is how I feel. So, technology though, it's everywhere. Okay, it's technology now. I still don't give a shit about coding. I suck at coding. Uh, I cannot understand it. Shut up, boomer. Just give a fuck meter. Maybe I'm biased the other way because not everyone will understand it. Yeah, no, okay, this is how I also think. I think. I respect creative people. I respect artists so much because I look at a piece of art and if I enjoy it, I'm like, fuck, I would never be able to do that. Mm. I'm like, this is like, I, mad respect for that. Mm. But I also think that as much as these people who go into STEM want to only do STEM things, we should also allow the people who only want to do creative things to try to embrace mm-hmm. and develop that. But I still think they need a minimum, right? Like you still got to know how to add and multiply and subtract and, st- and stuff like that, right? Yes, I believe. But, but I do feel like if we lean into those strengths, we'll create people who really become useful. Mm-hmm. Like, I get to make well-rounded people, but I also feel like we have to let people acknowledge their strength and utilize it for their benefits. I agree, because there is a whole beauty and amazing culture in being creative and artsy and having the arts and all that stuff. Trust me, I know I like that side. But I also feel like just because of how the world works... We need people who can essentially be monetized and have measurable usefulness. And that is something that you can mostly do in STEM or I guess in what you do, which is, yeah, what you do. But that's why I feel like STEM is very, very important because mm-hmm. it's measurable and it's something that everyone needs to know. Because technology is something that's always advancing mm-hmm. and everyone needs to be able to at least be able to operate mm-hmm. a phone now yeah. or a basic computer yeah, it's it's t- it's so interconnected now. Like, could you even be an artist without the drawing pads nowadays? Like, mm-hmm. it's just almost like you can, but this thing will put. Food it's in something your mouth. unavoidable. Yeah. Te- yeah, using technology is unavoidable. I think. Yeah. You mean like there's like that small percentage that still does like canvas artwork and stuff. Like those would be the only exception. You you can't. But do that but 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 even then, like, how do they get inspiration? Back then, they would literally have to, like, fly to a different place to get inspiration. But now they could literally, you know, watch a movie oh, or, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the media that they receive could mm-hmm. give them the inspiration to create what they create now, mm-hmm. right? Like, technology is never going mm-hmm. to yeah. not advance. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. So, it's very important for everyone to be knowledgeable about technology in STEM because that's the future power. I am very uh, biased. Yeah, we... We're the Nameless Podcast, and we don't have schedules, and we actually we do try to post weekly, but we don't have a plan, and we don't even have a name. That's how we roll. That's how we do things. Yep. And with that note, I'm going to end it here then. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, if if you guys enjoyed this, like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, as I've always said, if you want to be a guest, let me know. If you have any suggestions, put in the comments, or even just talk to me in person if, if you do know me in person. and um, Or me too. Or Viv too. And then we can uh, accommodate as such. And I uh, hope to see you guys next week then. Any last things you want to say, my good friend Lynn? Alberta sucks. Vancouver's better. Oh, All yeah. Right. Fuck I you. So this chick isn't ever coming back. I have to bleep that out, guys. Sorry. Don't worry this about this, terrible. guys. This was a bad podcast. Yeah, bad choice of guests. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for Thank tuning you. in. Thank you.